Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And Frank has the day off. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for him. Good morning. Good morning throughout the country. We have a lot to get to. And we'll be taking your telephone calls. 800-848-9222. The January 6th, January 6th committee owes former President Donald Trump, an apology. That's not a partisan statement. I'm not making it as a Republican. I'm not making it as a Democrat. I am simply telling you the truth. The committee owes Donald Trump an apology for all of that grandstanding. He will never get it, not in this lifetime. But the committee owes him an apology for the subpoena. For the subpoena that they issued embarrassing or attempting to embarrass the former president of the United States. And now that all the headlines are gone, the committee pulls back the subpoena issued to Trump. This, as his taxes are set to be released today. That's a low blow politically as well. I'm not talking as a Republican right now. I'm not talking as a Democrat right now. I am simply, folks, telling you the real deal of what time it is, of what's going on. So that's one of the issues we are going to deal with. It has been a relatively quiet day as it relates to Congressman-elect George Santos in New York's third congressional district, but his story has gone international as Republicans take control of the House Tuesday, but it's the quiet before the storm. The New York Times is out. The New York Times that broke the Santos story is out with another story that was released a short time ago, and this one is devastating as well. Not so much sensational, but the devil in the details in terms of the money and what Mr. Santos allegedly spent based on campaign filings, what he spent the money on. We are going to deal with that as well. And so Mr. Santos has admitted that he never graduated from any college, despite previously claiming he had received a degree from the City University of New York, Baruch, 
and 2010. He says his sins are his sins here are embellishing his resume. I'm sorry. He also confessed to never working directly for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. He says it was a poor choice of words, words that is. And legalized recreational marijuana may be legal in your state or it's certainly coming to your state, but it started just a few hours ago in New York State. And it is horrible, the bill of goods that people are being sold about the goods of the good things of marijuana, the 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 positive impact for taxpayers. This is not a net gain. You are being sold a bill of goods at the detriment of your health and the young people of America. It's going to be a net loss, a net loss on marijuana. I don't care how good, how sexy it sounds. We are going to discuss that this morning on the other side of midnight. Again, Frank Marano has the day off. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for him. And we are about to go to the telephone calls on a number of topics. I'm going to break down Mr. Trump's tax situation in just one second. But the number to reach us is 800-848-9222. And let's start with Mr. Trump's taxes. So one of the other headlines uh, unrelated to Trump is that Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, was sworn in uh, again as the uh, prime minister of Israel. That's one of the headlines. And you have uh, legalized marijuana now in the state of New York, only steps away from New York University. But as far as Mr. Trump's taxes and as far as the January 6th committee, So let me make sure I got this right. You issue a subpoena to Mr. Trump. It was not a fair fight. The Republicans that you had on the committee were, were, I don't want to say enemies of Mr. Trump, but for lack of a better term, they, they certainly were not objective. That's the better way of putting it. And then you want to subpoena the president of the United States. After, after, you know, you've taken his Twitter account, after you have raided his home in Florida, going through the first lady's personal belongings. At what point does it stop? not saying this as a Republican or a Democrat, we have to have one set of rules. And we see your calls on the congressman-elect in New York, George Santos. And folks, you, you, you are right. As it relates to the Santos situation, yes, Santos is, is he's not going to make it. He's going to be sworn in on Tuesday. He's going to vote for McCarthy for speaker, but he is not going to make it. A number of criminal investigations. He's lucky if he makes it a year in Congress. But we have to, in terms of fairness, we have to focus on Democrats as well. 
we have to focus on Democrats as well. We have to focus on the president's son as well. We have to focus on Hunter Biden, the same scrutiny that George Santos is receiving is the same scrutiny that should be before the president's son. That's not a Republican statement. That's not a Democratic statement. It is simply the truth. And so Mr. Trump's taxes, six years worth of taxes, are set to be released on Friday. This coming from the House Ways and Means Committee, which is due to shift into Republican hands when the upcoming Congress changes on Tuesday. The committee voted last week to make the documents public, to make the documents public. And I also see a number of you want to talk about marijuana. I promise we are about to start with the telephone calls in just a second. But this is really unfair on the taxes as well. This is not a Democratic statement. It's not a Republican statement. What this is really about, and of course Trump, his legal team fought all the way to the Supreme Court, losing in the Supreme Court. And the Trump team argued that this really was an effort to expose the documents to the public for the sake of exposure. In other words, to embarrass Mr. Trump. This is why this is being done. This is exactly why this is being done. They are going to put the taxes out there in the public domain with the hope that it will embarrass Mr. Trump with the hope that it will reveal some type of uh, irregularity to point to to point to corruption and to embarrass him and say you see folks he's not as rich as he pretended to be that's what this is all about and so let's start with the uh with the telephone calls let's begin this morning with uh Robert in Philadelphia. I believe Robert wants to chat about legalized marijuana. Is that accurate, Robert? Yes, sir. How you doing, Dominic? I'm doing well. Go right ahead, please. Uh for the second it's good to talk to you again. For the second time, I'm calling to disagree with you. And the cool thing is it's not to argue, but to dialogue with somebody that I disagree with somebody who I respect. You Fair enough, I mean? and I respect you as well. But first tell me what do we disagree on? Well, uh, the legalization of marijuana in general, um, when it when it comes to everything outside of social issues, I'm very much of like a Reagan, maybe Trump Republican. But when it comes to social issues, I'm very much a live and let live libertarian. And I don't think that marijuana should have ever been made illegal to begin with out of marijuana, tobacco and alcohol. I'll take marijuana all day long because it doesn't cause as many deaths. It doesn't cause as much chaos. It basically has an effect opposite of wilding out on society. I mean, I don't. I, I know why it was made illegal. So, so, wait, so, so wait, Robert. Wait, 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 wait. So, Robert. So, uh, you, so wait, wait. I'm just. I'm going to let you finish, but I just need to follow you here. So, the interpretation of what I just heard is that it makes you passive so you're not, quote-unquote, wilding out on society. Is that correct? 
has it has that effect on okay. some people. Okay, has, okay, okay. I'm not everybody. Okay, not I, I understand, Robert, and 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 we we're just going to agree to disagree. But on that mm-hmm. sa- on that same point, on that same point, that's one of the reasons right. why I do not support this, because over over a course of years, the detriment does not happen to the individual. And I'm going to let you continue your point. The detriment sure. does not happen immediately. The person erodes over years. All of a sudden, the individual wants to smoke more. They don't want to get up and go to school or go to class or go to work. And then next thing you know, they're unemployed. And then next thing you know, it's the gateway drug. And then the next thing you know, it's cocaine and heroin and addiction and on and on. Please continue, Robert. And everything you just said is absolutely valid, Dominic. Okay? But what we're talking about here is you're talking about something that people are going to get anyway that isn't as harmful in society as would you outlaw alcohol no and and i, I mean, will i will concede i will concede that whether it's legal or not people are going to get it so i will concede that point to you and i don't think that the states should be selling it because the prior caller was right I'm going to continue to go to my guy because he's cheaper, and I'm not paying $45 for a quarter that goes right to the government. The government makes more money off of that than than the drug dealers do, Dominic. But look, I think that you make valid points like you did with Stop and Frisk, and I see why you're saying it. I just disagree with principle on whether it should have been made illegal to begin with, but I'll leave you with this. Do you know the difference between a drunk driver and a stone driver? No, go ahead. A a drunk driver will blow through a stop sign. A stone driver will sit there and wait for it to turn green. (laughs) You have a good night. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Robert, Robert, normally I would laugh at the joke. Normally I would laugh, but I am so serious about this in terms of – in terms of the damage that I, from state to state, no matter where folks are listening to us right now, I just feel this is horrible for America. And and, and we're, we're being sold a bill of goods. And while I disagree, I definitely respect you and know you're coming from a good place with it, man. And Have thank a great you. weekend and a great New Year, brother. And th- thank you, Robert. And you do the same calling from Philadelphia. Robert mentioned uh, stop and frisk, which is a big issue. And... In cities all across America, in states all across America, in particular in New York City, it is the action where police officers in doing their jobs, uh, if they have a reasonable suspicion or a reasonable cause, they stop people and and they check them. And, 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 and this is how in New York City, the, the city was cleaned up years ago. But then uh, the city was sued in federal court and lost. Because there were, uh, I believe, some over 600,000 stop and frisk of uh, uh, predominantly people of color. And so now the city uh, does not do it. The city uh, did away with the, many of the undercover units. And that is, that, is why, that is why crime across the country is so out of control. That is why crime, the far left, oh, no, oh, no, no. Let the for free. Let them do whatever they want. No, no, you you cannot let people just do what they, especially uh, certain uh, individuals that are prone to commit crimes. You've got to have police out there shaking up these criminals, and and in many cities, in many cities, these criminals, 
did not know, sometimes they did, did not know the the officer uh, in undercover units. So, for example, here in New York City uh, the other day, just yesterday, I was on the subway. And I happen to see two officers, and oftentimes they'll take them right out of the academy for undercover work like this. And there was this African-American female police officer. And she did not fit the the bill, if you will, for a traditional type looking, if such thing exists, of a police officer. She looked like she should be a runway model. And she's the type that should be doing undercover work because they would never expect her a a mile away. And America, we have got to, I'm going to take a break in just one second. We are, we have got to get this crime problem uh, under control. And do you hear those crickets? Do, do you hear them? That's, that's, that's what I call black lives matter. Where's black lives matter? I, I guess, Ms. Colors, the uh, the you know the officials, I guess because now, because now they have mansions. That where's Black Lives Matter? What what happened to Black? There are the crickets. There they go. There they go. Those are the crickets. What happened to Black Lives Matter? Oh, you know, Dominic. Uh, we 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 got our mansions, and uh, what do we need to be out there for? What whatever happened? We need strong law enforcement in this country. Strong law enforcement. No matter what city you're in listening to me right now, no matter what state, we all should have the right to walk down the street, and I'll say it, and not have to deal with the homeless issue. I I, I guess I'm not politically correct with this, but I don't even want to see it, to be honest with you. I don't feel that any of us should have to see it. Folks, we are going to take your telephone calls from all over the country on a number of issues. Congressman-elect George Santos, the New York Times, I haven't even broken that down yet. The New York Times is out this morning with another devastating story as it relates to the money, the money that he spent, how he spent the money on his campaign, and it's raising more eyebrows than providing answers Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano and the other side of midnight will be right back with more of your telephone calls. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. shouldn't be taking it anymore. So I'm looking at my Twitter. You can reach me, and I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano. We see all the calls. We're going to get to them in just uh, one second. I'm looking at my uh, Twitter, Dominic TV, Dominic TV. That's how you can reach me on Instagram and Facebook, Dominic Carter TV, Dominic Carter TV, 
Jelenia Reach, Reach, I believe, from Australia, from down under. And she says, hello, Mr. Carter. Hope you're doing well. I wanted to phone you from Australia on my mobile, but I don't know what the area code is. You're doing a marvelous job filling in for Mr. Frank Morano. Have a safe and wonderful new year. Take care. God bless you and your family. Well, right back at you. Thank you. And the area code to uh, reach us for for your uh, cell phone is uh, 800. It's a toll-free call, 800-848-9222. And I expect to hear from you this uh, this half hour or, or the next hour uh, from down under. And I can wish you a happy new year in person. Hard to believe that we are headed to 2021. Three. Let's go back to the telephone calls. Let's go to David in the Bronx. David, the Bronx, New York, wants to take issue with my remarks on Trump's taxes. Go for it, David. Yes. Good morning, Dominic. Good morning. My issue is that Trump, and this goes to Santos as well, and Biden and everybody else who lies in politics, Trump, and you, you've you sort of acknowledged this in the past, Trump gave us this nonsense, wishy wall. Oops, David. Wait, 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 David, David, you, you cut out so we couldn't hear words okay. you said. You said Trump gave us oh, a wishy-washy is? and then. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sitting next to my heater because it's so cold in my apartment. Okay. Um, all right, so. Um, the the uh, you know he he lied to us. He told us that his taxes could not be released because they were under audit, which turned out not to be true. Okay, but wait, 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 David, wait, wait, and I'm going to let you finish. He did say that, but to me, you're missing the key part. He was honorable in that he said before the election, I'm not going to release my taxes. Didn't he say that as well? Lied. But he lied about the reason that he couldn't do it, Dominic. Well, you know, that, this that, is the problem. This wait. is the problem with George Santos and, and Biden and all these other politicians. I'm not going to play favorites, okay? Politicians lie to us on a regular basis. They tell us what we want to hear. They don't tell us the full truth because they know it's going to hurt them at, at the ballot box, okay? Trump didn't want his tax returns released because there's stuff in there that doesn't look good, okay? That's probably what happened. He wrote off. And this has been reported already. He wrote off that one hundred and thirty plus thousand dollars that he gave to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet. He wrote that off as a business expense. No, a normal person could not do that. Okay, teachers da- are da- limited David, to three hundred dollars. David, 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 my friend, you're. None of us can compare our tax situation to that of Donald Trump's. He has write-offs that 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 most of us will, will never see he and all the other, he and all the other, but wait, 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 wait. I, I want to return to my premise and I, I'm going to let you finish here. I started out by stating that January 6th committee owes Trump an apology. Do they? I don't think they owe him an apology, but I, I will say this. It was clear when they subpoenaed him that it was a stunt because if they were serious, they would have subpoenaed him at the beginning of the investigation a year and a half ago instead of waiting until they were almost finished because they knew, just like I know, and I'm not an attorney, that their subpoena would have expired at the end of the year along with the committee. So, yes, it was a cheap political stunt, and both sides do it. 
we're going to spend the next two years with Hunter Biden, Fauci, and all these other investigations that are not going to do anything to solve our problems. They're not going to fight inflation. They're not going to help the economy. You know, I'm sick of all of this, to be honest, and I consider myself a Democrat, but both sides are playing this game with us, and we fall for it every time. It's sickening. It's depressing because, you know what? Listen, I'm 51 years old. I don't have any kids, so I, and I'm not worried about my future because, you know, at this point, I could go tomorrow, and I don't even care anymore, but – I have – I told you about my niece that will be going to Princeton. I have nephews that will probably be going to similar colleges. I worry about their future, and the people that are in charge of this country are messing – it. I was going to say another word. They are messing this country up badly, and it's both sides. And this George Santos thing, just wait and find out where his money is coming from because there are so many politicians that are on the take, and, and it's a disgrace. And it's, it's on both sides, Dominic. So I hope people don't criticize me for being on one side because I see it on both sides, and it's disgusting. Thank well, you. Well, what, what's disgusting to me, David, right now is that the, um, the January 6th committee took advantage of Americans trying to spin the story to do damage to Trump. Listen, if, if he screws up, and, and I've said repeatedly, January 6th was not his finest hour, but he didn't do anything criminal. And it's despicable that this committee knew that it was a stunt with this uh, subpoena. And then the the Friday, the, the Thursday uh, before New Year's, oops, we're going to pull it back now. I mean, what, what about the damage that's been done to Trump where people believe, oh, they just subpoenaed him, so there's got to be something there. What about that, David? You know what? Listen, if people are stupid enough to fall for that type of thing, you know, this is the, this is an issue. I think about this stuff all the time because, you know, as a blind person who doesn't work, I don't really have much else to do. The issue with Donald Trump in the end is that this man, he's lied multiple times. President Biden has lied multiple times. I'm not going to defend either one. But what it comes down to in the end is that I hope that people paid attention to the hearings because we did learn important things. Because, the, you know, we, we, to, we did. Try, I mean, to get, David, I'm going to let you finish quickly I, because I've got to move on. We have a lot of calls right. this morning. I don't know a single thing that we really learned from the January okay. 6th committee. Donald Trump tried to get people at the Justice Department to lie to the American people and tell them they found evidence of fraud in Georgia when they could not find it, okay? That is not honest, okay? That would be lying to the American people and trying to use the Justice Department to affect an election. That is not legal. That's a conspiracy, David, that that was something that we had heard, what, uh, (laughs) right after the the, uh, presidential election? That wasn't new, that wasn't new. All, all this committee did was waste tax. David, I appreciate your call. All they did was waste taxpayer money. Period. I, I don't understand what's to even look at here. Any objective person uh, taking a look at this situation, how could you conclude anything else? Anything else. And so we're taking your calls from throughout the country. On a number of topics. Let's see what Jerry in New Jersey has to say. Good morning, Jerry, and welcome. Thank you. Um, What I'm thinking about right now is Trump loves the country and he's not in it for the money. 
And I want to say that when you look at the politicians, they average like a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar salaries. And if they're in there five to fifteen, twenty years, somehow they end up with twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars time in and time again. So I'm very happy that Trump's not bought and paid for by anybody, and he's not stealing from the taxpayer government funds through contracts and other backdoor things. That's number one. Number two, let's look at drugs. Trump's kids, all of them have been under a microscope from 10,000 reporters trying to get anything on them. You don't see cigarettes. You don't see drugs. You don't see alcoholism. Just look at how Biden's son looks. You want to know the difference between people who use drugs and don't? Look at Biden's son laying there with a crack pipe in his mouth, and then look at Trump's kids. That's all I got to say. Hey, Jerry, I I hear you, and I I thought long and hard this morning as it relates to uh, Biden, uh, uh, the the president's son. I thought long long and hard this morning because, um, and I I don't even know the appropriate way to say this um, because I don't want to say baby mama, but the mother of, of his child is petitioning the court now for the child to have the Biden last name because it's considered much more prestigious. And so that goes right along, Jerry, with your point calling us from uh, New Jersey and, and, and you, you are correct. You, you, you are correct. When someone is right, we have to, we have to call a spade a spade and Jerry's correct. Um, Hunter Biden compared to the Trump children in terms of, Look at the headlines. Look at the behavior. Jerry's correct. Frank, Frank in Queens, New York. Good morning, Frank. What's on your mind? Hey, Dominic. I initially called to, again, disagree with you about George Santos. I'm a constituent in his district, Whitestone, Queens. We are probably the neighborhood that put him over the top. We all still stand behind him. So it's ironic that none of you people in the media have sent any reporters out to talk to us. Um, But anyway, let me move on from that quickly. Uh, Your prior caller, the hippie from Philadelphia, talking about how um, people that smoke weed are better drivers than people that drink. Dominic, I've been on the road every night for the last three years as an Uber Eats DoorDash delivery driver. Do you know who I fear the most? I'm listening. Young men with tinted windows in their car doing 80 miles an hour on the highway smoking weed. They're killing people all over New York City. It's going to explode. It's going to be worse than it's ever been. So, Frank, let me go back to your first point. You said that you live in Queens and that um, Mr. Santos' uh, constituents are, are behind him. So you're are you telling me that all of this is much ado about nothing? I'm not saying there's no legitimate inquiry. Um, and I, and again, I would say back in normal times, and we're not in normal times anymore, as you know, as it relates to politics. Um, but you know, I think the, I think the GOP Republicans we have to play with by the new rules. There's no trick that's dirty enough anymore, as far as I'm concerned. We voted for George based on the debate he had with Zimmerman. So we had two choices. And it's the policy and the positions of Santos that we feel in his district, which is what counts. Not what other people think. It's what we think. It's still we the people. High crime in our district, it's it's exploding. Property taxes. Zimmerman's anti-cop. He was pro-Black Lives Matters. 
that's why we voted for Santos. Okay. Santos could be. Hey, Frank, so do me a favor. Do me a favor. I want you to hold on for one second. I'm going to bring John from Brooklyn, New York, into the conversation. I want you two guys. Uh, John apparently here says Santos lies are very systematic. Is that accurate, John? That is correct. Okay, and... so so wait, 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 John. So uh, Frank is also on the line with us. I want you two guys to have a quick conversation on this. Go ahead, John. You go first. Okay. I'm a Republican. Uh, I, I agree that we need more Republicans in Congress. But unlike Democrats like Joe Biden and Senator Blumenthal, uh, George Santos has lied from the get-go. He has completely fabricated his resume. Uh, we don't even know if he is indeed an American citizen. And if he's not an American citizen, that means he's ineligible to occupy any federal office. Um, I also happen to be a Republican who thinks that we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Okay, so you hold your thought for a second. Frank, please respond to that. Well, John, you have no evidence that he's not a citizen. If you can produce some, I'll be the first one to say I no longer back him. Um, You don't live in my district, John, do you? No. So you don't know what issues are important to me and my family, do you? I can guess we're concerned about the border. We're concerned no, about... I'm concerned, no, no, I'm concerned about high crime in my neighborhood, carjackings, gunpoint robberies, hangouts, things that never happened before until liberals took over. So I had the option of voting for Zimmerman or Santos. I'm not worried about where he went to high school or who he worked for. I'm worried about how he's going to vote when he gets to Washington. I don't think we we know how he's going to vote because he has completely fabricated his entire resume. Well, you know what? And, and you should see the interview that former Representative Tulsi Gabbard did when she subbed for Tucker Carlson on Fox News with uh, Congressman-elect Santos. I found that very revealing, and Dominic, to his credit, has played clips from that. Okay, John, I, I, I appreciate you, John. I'm going to let you go. Frank, I'll give you the final say here before I move on. Go right ahead, please. Yeah, I get it. It's still we the people. If Santos goes to D.C. and he votes differently than what he promised, I'll be the first one to vote against him. Okay, fair enough, Frank. Thank you as well for, for your call. Dominic Carter here with you folks on the other side of Midnight in for Frank Morano. We are taking your calls as it relates to uh, Mr. Santos, as it relates to Mr. Trump, the former president. My contention, the January 6th committee owes him an apology for this sham, for, for this fake investigation, because that's all it was. And for the fact that, oops, we're going to pull back the subpoena now. We're going to pull it back. Oh, my bad. My bad. Give it back. We'll take it back. Give us that form. Oh, we embarrassed you, Mr. President. I'm I'm really starting to think, I'm really starting to be cynical and think that this was all about the midterms. That this was all, which, which, and, and you know what? For, for, for Democrats, apparently it worked. It worked. And it, it seems like the January 6th committee, that this is what this was all about. 
the old lady in the commercial, the national commercial from Wendy's. Uh, I, I don't think she's alive anymore. Her punchline was, where's the beef? So January 6th, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? There is no beef. Just tar Trump and hope it sticks. That's what's going on, folks. I'm not saying this is someone that loves Trump as someone that hates Trump. I'm simply telling you the truth. Let's go to Lou, Long Island, New York. Good morning, Lou. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Man, this is really heavy. If I could offer a joke with a little bit of levity, it's a clean joke. It relates to marijuana. I'm listening. What does a deadhead say when they stop smoking pot? What does a deadhead say when they stop smoking pot? I don't smoke. Right. And I'm not a deadhead. So so go ahead. Oh, what, what are they? God, this music sucks. <laughs> oh, Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead. Right? Well, all oh, potheads. You know, I was a deadhead for a long time. Hey, hey wait, 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 wait. Lou, 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 let me bring in my uh, my music expert here, Alex Barnard. So, Alex, did, did you get that there? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. You, you got it. Yeah. I in, in fact, a funny story real quick. I, I met um, the guitarist for the last band we just played, Twisted Sister, uh, a couple years ago. And he told me that when he—he's been sober for many years, since the 70s, in fact. And he said that when he— was in his, when he was in his teens he was you know taking acid like a bunch of these hippies back in the 60s or whatnot and he went to see the grateful dead something like 20 times and the oh, first yeah, 19 cool. times he went uh he was uh under the influence shall we say and then the 20th time he was sober and he never went to see them again because he hated what he was listening to <laughs> oh, can, I, can i can i give you one more joke please oh boy oh boy well oh, j- just clean. make j- just make it you know, quick the, lou yes the who are coming out with a new album their their favorite album you know was a hit who's next the next album is going to be who's left mm. okay 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 Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. I'm just trying to provide a little comedy here. You got a very heavy show today. It, it, it is. It is a heavy show, and it's a heavy topic, yeah. and and it should be, Lou, because th- this is serious. Th- this oh, is no, not I a know. game. You know, I agree with you. Uh, they 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 uh, owe Donald Trump an apology. They went after him with all the daggers out, and they came up with nothing. And it's like, oops, we're sorry. We're right. going to rescind the right. subpoena. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh, Mr. Trump, uh, pick up the pieces of your life and, and go on. And, oh, yeah, by the way. you for, and, like, what, the last, what, four, four years and, since and, he was elected? Hey, Lou, and, oh, by the way, the uh, House Ways and Means Committee, they're going to drop your taxes tomorrow. So we're done with you, but we're going to pass it on yeah, to the next yeah, committee. Right. So, Lou, Hello, thank Mr. you. Dominic, I would like to say, Go ahead. what gives them the right to drop his taxes and not my taxes? Can they come after me and make my taxes public? The, Why do they have the right they, to do they, that? Legally, they do have the uh, authority, the House Ways and Means Committee, to subpoena taxes. They do. But it just seems so cynical and so wrong to get the man's taxes. And then you're, we're in the last hours uh, of you being in power. And you're like, here, America, here is taxes. You wanted this since 2016. We finally got it for you.
It just it just seems all wrong. Lou, thank you for the call. Thank you for the jokes. Let's stay on Long Island in New York. Let's go to Linda. Good morning, Linda. What's on your mind? Hi, Dom. I guess you didn't hear about it. You know that they, uh, for Trump's uh, subpoena, they didn't pull it out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, I saw the attorney. I forgot her name. She's the head of something. She, no, you know, uh, does no. Linda, of course they didn't pull it out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah, the, the, clock is, the clock right. is ticking. It, the clock is ticking. No, no, it, but she sued. She sued, the, sued them, and she won the case. Okay. I just saw her. Okay, okay, and fair enough. I think enough. it was tonight. She was. I think she was on tonight, and she and I was very surprised. I didn't know they were sued either. But I, when but, I heard, heard but, but Linda, yes. and I'm gonna let you finish, and I got to take a break. But at the end of the day, okay. they only had what one or two days left in power, and so right. uh, whether sued or not, uh, this this uh, this nonsense was going to go away as it rightfully should. Please continue, Linda, and then we have to okay. take a break. I agree with you, but I don't think they would ever just do that. I don't think they would even bother. They would just let, let leave it go because all they want, and you know, you to, you told everyone that's what they want. They want people to, you know, the publicity to people to think all these things about Trump and all this stuff. A subpoena must be really bad. When we heard that, oh, it must they got something on him. You know, it sounded really bad. But now when I heard this, I didn't know he was. They were being sued. And she won the case. I don't know if you know her. She's famous. Um, I think her name is um, Armin. 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 She's the head of of the thing. She does. She's very good. You know, fair, really. You know, I, I don't know. I can't remember. It, you know, it's, okay. Can't remember it's okay. It's okay, Linda. It's okay. I know. But, it but, just bothers but, me that but, I don't know. But Linda, Linda, okay. as, as soon as soon as yeah. you hang up, you'll remember the name. That that's how of that's course. how it works. Exactly. Hey, Linda, we want you to have a uh, a happy new year, and thank you for giving us a call. Thank you so much this morning. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Dominic Carter, and for Frank Morano, more of your telephone calls when we come back. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power, and it makes me feel like it, it makes me feel like. are back. I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano, and we are taking your telephone calls from around the country. I want to divert for a second. We're going to come right back to Trump legalized marijuana and uh, Congressman-elect George Santos. But something caught my eye. A CNBC anchor by the name of Andrew Ross Sorkin is causing a stir on social media. He's calling for banning children from the first class section of airplanes. So the CNBC anchor says, I will be ridiculed for this position, as he tweeted, anticipating the backlash. And he says that he says this as a parent of Three, and he says, until airlines start advertising crying babies 
in first business class next to someone trying to work or sleep rather than the ads we see of things being quiet and nice. I can't support kids up there. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to go that far as it relates to the kids, but I will. I will say this. I have to be honest. There have been several times where I'm either flying back from giving a speech and I've been up all day since early in the morning and um, all types of things. And sometimes I feel like it just happens to me and I'll get on the plane and right next to me is mom or dad with the baby or the toddler. And then it's and it goes on and on and on. And my pet peeve, I'm being honest, is that when you look at the parents, they look back at you like, so what? You know, kids cry. What do you want me to do? And my point is that why should I be burdened for your children? May not be politically correct, but I also want to hear what you have to say as it relates to flying and crying children. (laughs) Now, babies, babies can't control it. They can't control it. You know, you have the the pressure on their ears and so on. I don't know. It's, It's just me where the parent is right next to me, the parents or parent, or right in my immediate vicinity. And that nap that I thought I was going to take flying back from Utah or flying back from wherever, Denver or wherever, Kansas, that nap is now out the window. Let's continue with your telephone calls. Let's go to Dave in Yonkers, New York. Good morning, Dave. You are on the other side of Midnight with Frank Marano. I'm Dominic Carter in for Frank. Hi, Dominic. Uh, Nice to speak to you. Um, I guess I have a different opinion of marijuana, only from the perspective of having seen about something around 240,000 ER patients. um, So you're, you're, you're a doctor? Well, I'm a retired ER doctor, yes, okay. MD. Okay. Um, I was a fellow at the American College of Emergency Physicians. Um, I also had spent uh, a year as a uh, drug counselor in uh, Berkeley. I spent uh, three years with Ann Arbor's forming Ann Arbor's Drug Help Organization and counseling there prior to medical school. So um, out of my 230 to 40,000 patients, I would say... I had one pure marijuana case. Now, I stopped practicing around, I retired in around 2010. There was plenty of marijuana around before that. I suspect maybe there's more. Um, Alcohol, I have a feeling the cost to the taxpayers of my practice was probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, I could name three regular patients who were regular chronic pancreatitis patients in three times a week, ACLS ambulances, intubated, ICU, over and over and over again until they eventually passed. The cost of that is prohibitive. Um, as far as, I don't know, someone earlier just said that there's a may crazy, a new thing of marijuana drivers causing accidents. I think, truthfully, I'm out of it now. 
I think if that was going on, you would have heard something about that at least. Um, it, however, from my own thing, if I had a choice, let's say you were in a situation, you had a 17-year-old driver who was a comfortable driver, who has smoked marijuana and not the first time, and I had a choice between getting a car, let's say, with three 17-year-olds, me getting to sit in the front seat shotgun, and my choice was with those of my 17-year-old, and I say there's a light snow on the ground, does my 17-year-old smoke some marijuana, or does my 17-year-old stay, say, a fraction below the legal drinking age, drinking limit? I wouldn't even dream of the alcohol. And here, let me leave you with one more thing. Marijuana is a very confusing thing. To most people, when you say where there's smoke, they think fire. An ER doctor, where there's smoke, there's carbon monoxide. If you're a cigarette smoker smoking two packs a day, your carbon boxy carbon monoxide level is high enough to l- limit your brain power. So wait, wait, doctor, sm- doctor, let me ask you this question. So it sounds like you support legalized marijuana. What is, what is your position? Well, yes. It's a fine thing. I, I don't see much – when I compare it to the savages of alcohol of every level from body destruction to mental destruction to accidents that are proven – I don't know about this new way of marijuana um, – it is so vastly different. I would – yes, I would have to support marijuana. I think the gateway thing is a little confusing because I think most I, – I was a medical examiner in Washington County during the worst of the qualude. I also worked working weekends, nights, and that's my thing, nights. Um, I had about seven or eight fatal accidents that involved qualudes. There was marijuana in four of them. But marijuana – the people who go on to heavier drugs – marijuana is a very subtle drug. I was going to bring back to my one ER case. It was a scared Sarah Lawrence freshman. She smoked marijuana for the first time. She got real scared. The resident advisor didn't know what to do, so they called an ambulance. They wheeled her into an 11 o'clock chaotic ER that was with patients on stretchers everywhere. And the minute they wheeled her in, she was embarrassed. She wasn't stoned anymore because a little bit of effing takes the marijuana, pure marijuana high right away. Alcohol, nothing takes it away other than time. Okay, um, okay, but doctor, doctor, but before we go, what do you make of the um, of the uh, health care costs that are going up, the emergency health care costs in Colorado solely because of marijuana? I think there's a lot of psych going on there, too. I think a lot of the people who have migrated to Colorado have multiple problems, and I suspect if you did toxicologies on them, you'd also find multiple drugs, and most of the people are in there. Okay, fair enough. I think you're probably finding some more scared teenagers who do get scared and get brought to the ER, you know, um, but it's just such a vast difference. But what I was going to say is, unfortunately, the the difference between – if you sit around like Colorado, where I see these people sitting in parks, was sitting smoking these big joints and getting, they're getting carbon monoxide. They're getting stoned. If you smoke a teeny bit of marijuana, you get what it would be called high. That's the thing. Some people say it's getting high. Others say it's getting stoned. Which is it? Well, doctor, I, 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 I appreciate you. I do have to move on because I have a lot of other calls and I've got to take a break. But thank you and happy uh, new year to you. Let's go to the Bronx, New York. Let's say good morning to Bob. Bob, what's on your mind? Yes, I think they should subpoena Joe Biden's uh, 
taxes since he was the big guy in getting the kickbacks from the money that his son was getting. He was getting the uh, share as the big guy. Yes, yes. Well, you know, you know Bob, uh, I don't think that's going to happen while he's, while he's the sitting president. But what's the saying? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So, I mean, if you're going to do it to Trump, and, and, and that's why I was so against raiding the president's Florida home. Let's not forget about that. Dominic Carter here with you folks on the other side of midnight. We are going to come right back. We're going to take a break. I'm in for the great Frank Morano, and we will be right back with more of your telephone calls. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And Frank Morano, excuse me, folks, has the, uh, the day off. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for him, and good morning, good morning to you. I will be with you this hour, and it is indeed an honor for me to be here with you. We see all the telephone calls from around the country. We are going to go back to the phones in just a moment, but I want to start this hour with a great story out of Buffalo, New York, the storm that occurred uh, up there. Uh, really, we had death and destruction weather-wise around the country. But up in Buffalo, a number of people dead because of the snow. And this is a story of goodwill. This is a story of we're all Americans first. This is a story of people helping each other regardless of the topic of race. A Buffalo man with fourth degree frostbite is alive thanks to his heroic neighbors who heard his cries for help. It's important to consider that Uh, Up in Buffalo, New York, uh, people died literally outside in the snow. They just got disoriented and, uh, and passed away. And so this man is uh, mentally disabled and uh, he's 64 years old. His name is Joe White. And he was saved on Christmas Eve by Shakara Autry and her boyfriend, Trent, after they heard him outside calling for help. Now, this woman does not have a background in medical care. That is uh, Shikara Autry. But they heard him crying outside their home. And we're talking about a life or death situation. And she utilized a uh, a blow dryer to melt the ice that was on his hands and a grass cutter to remove the rings he was wearing on his fingers that were very swollen. And so they took him in. Now, remember, some people died in their house. They had no heat. 
And they took him in, and they could not get anybody to come rescue them. They called the National Guard, 911. No one could get out. No one could get out to help them. And so this man, a stranger to them, and they saved his life, the 64-year-old man who's still hospitalized, recovering from his injuries. The woman, Shakira Autry, appeared on CNN with the brother of the 64-year-old man. And Miss Autry, here's what she had to say on CNN. It was very, it was very devastating, very devastating, it was heartbreaking to even see someone so helpless and he just needed some help. And you made him pancakes, right? It tell us what it was like. <laughs> yes, he actually woke me up on Christmas morning. I told him the day before Christmas, I said, hey, Joe, it looks like if you're going to wake up with me on Christmas, he said, he said to me, okay, are you? can I get a uh, Bruce Lee shirt? And I say, yep, we can. So <laughs> Christmas morning happened and I heard, Hey, Hey, I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're going to make me pancakes. I'm like, yeah, I'll make you. Pancakes. <laughs> and so it, it almost made me uh, become emotional because in the uh, photos that have gone around America, you see the woman the next day. They had to take him into their home, but they couldn't get him to a hospital with fourth-degree frostbite. They welcomed him into the home. It was either He was either going to die on the street or they brought him into the house and he stayed overnight. And the picture that has gone across America is this African-American woman. Don't tell me that we can't get along with each other. This African-American woman, the next day for a total stranger, feeding him pancakes. He wanted pancakes. He's uh, he, he's disabled, uh, a, a, a mental disability, 64 years old. She made him pancakes. And the next day, they were able to get help out to get him to a hospital. He almost lost his life. He happened to be white. She happens to be African-American. His sister, her name is Yvonne White, and she also appeared on CNN. Um, I spoke to the hospital probably about 35 minutes ago. At this point, he's sleeping, um, so obviously I didn't want to wake him up. We'll calm him a little bit, um, but he's still the same. They're still watching him, um, fourth-degree burns. His voice, I spoke to him yesterday, is very weak. He sounds very sad, but... Um, Guess what he wanted to do, my dear, FaceTime. So so I told him when I go there, I'll check his phone because I just got my new phone a little while ago, and we'll see if we can hook that up so he can talk to everybody and see everybody. He's sad, and he's scared. Can you imagine 64 years old? He works for the local a local movie theater. And um, developmental uh, disability and... He doesn't know where to go. And in the group home that he lives in, he had wandered out thinking that he was supposed to go to work at the movie theater that day. Well, the great news is more than $50,000 have come in in GoFundMe pages for this man's family plus for the woman that took him in, did not know him. All she knew was there was a person that would have died out in the cold, up in Buffalo, New York. And she took him in and let him stay at her home 
with her three children and boyfriend overnight and got up the next day and made him pancakes and then got him to to uh, emergency medical care. And perhaps this story is sensitive to me because I, I, I have a son uh, with a disability. And so I understand what it's like. And he also has epilepsy. And so it, it's just wonderful what this woman did. And I'm, I'm glad that um, she's a little media shy, but I'm glad that she's receiving the attention that she is for saving another person's life. Let's go back to the uh, telephone calls. I'm going to go to Vito in Staten Island, New York, because I mentioned uh, a CNBC anchor says children in first class, no go. I told you my experience. It seems that whenever I fly and I fly quite a bit, it seems that they're always children crying somewhere near me and there goes watching the movie there goes the nap there goes everything good morning Vito what's on your mind how are you Mr. Carter first thing uh in regards to that woman um who helped that that man um humans never disappoint in good and in bad times and you being a reporter I think you understand what I mean yes um given that um I used to work for an airline I retired from one and you know one of the perks we got we would get is um, free flight, you know, not free flights, but discounted flights, not revenue. We would just pay the tax. And sometimes we could fly up front, and sometimes we could fly, uh, and if there's no seats in the front, we sit in the back. And let me tell you something. I've sat in the back, and when you have an infant whose ears are popping, it's a miserable flight. I mean, unless you have Ambien or something that could knock you out for that flight, Man, it's 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 misery. And so, so Vito, so seen... so I shouldn't I shouldn't feel bad. I, I mean that I'm no. being honest. That that no, it it, it no, makes you me shouldn't, you shouldn't feel bad at all because number one, you're paying in excess. If you're sitting up front flying transatlantic or transpacific, you're paying at least ten thousand dollars to sit in that in that in the front of that plane. And you think you think an airline wants to have a, a, a newborn or an infant who's going to scream and cry? I mean, once the, the first time I took my kids with me on a plane, we, I flew to Rome, and we sat in first class. And, and the ticket agent asked me, my kids were six and seven, and the ticket agent asked me, how were your kids? And I, and I knew exactly what she was referring to. And I said to her, I said, look, my kids know. If they misbehave on this plane, the pilot's going to stop the plane in the midair, and we're going to throw—they're going to throw us out off the plane. And my kids were were as behaved as any adult on that plane was. You know, that's the uh, that's the crux of it, right? And if I may add, if I may add one other thing, go ahead, Vito. Um, um, for for people who are who are retirees or looking for a job. Think about getting a job with an airline. It is—it's not bad. It's really good, especially uh, if you, if you're living in, in in or around a major city. You know, you're working for an airline, not a service company. The perks are unbelievable. You, know, mm. you fly, you fly from. Uh, I could tell you right now, I fly from Newark to Rome and back, first class. It's cheaper. It's cheaper than taking than for me traveling, uh, going over the Verrazano Bridge. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
Well, Vito, uh, a happy new year to you, and I thank you uh, for the call. Thank you, and you have a wonderful day. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York. Christina, good morning, Christina. What's on your mind? Oh, good morning. Um, before I want to say something about that serious topic of marijuana, but before I do, I want to tell you happy new year and that I, I'm a 78-year-old young gal. and um, I hear it, young gal. I've been admiring you for such a long time. You know, I must tell you this. The word pinion means a wing. And opinion means one wing. And actually, you have knowledge. That is what I admire most about you. I don't know how you keep all that. You've got a big brain. I can see that. But (laughs) opinion. Hey, opinion. hey, Christina, Christina. on one wing. Wait, Christina, no, Christina, is, is, is that, Christina, can you hear me? I can. Okay, is that your way of telling me I have a big head? Well, you do have a, my father did too. <laughs> and he, was, he was a big brain like you too. I don't know how he had all that stuff in his brain. But, you know, you can have a big head and not use it. You, uh, th- that's you, true. This is true. This is true, Christina. The knowledge you have, and I'm well, so thank grateful you. because it's a, just a miracle that I'm talking to you tonight because I'm up and you're there. And I've never dreamed I'd ever get to talk to you. But let me go on about marijuana if I might. Go right ahead. Um, it's a serious subject. Marijuana is also a, a drug, and it affects the body chemically. And what it does is it burns out your B vitamins. Now, B vitamins are very important for your nervous system. And when you take vitamins, you should always take a B complex with C because C helps it work better. And we, a lot of us have to take vitamin supplements because the food does not have the nutrition maybe that we need. A lot of us took vitamins during the pandemic. I credit vitamins partly for surviving the pandemic because Someone died right here in my home, April 9, 2020, a friend of mine for 29 years. And the house was full of COVID, and I never got it. Never got it. I took my vitamins, and I took a lot of garlic and drank garlic water and took coconut oil up my nose. Well, every it's, time. Christina, it, it, it's all a blessing. And I, I want to say this to you. You said you're 78, right? I'm going to add this. When they open these marijuana stores, There should be, like, some literature that goes to the people who purchase, warning them about driving, and if they feel that they're incapable of driving, they should not drive. And and warning them also, especially men. Men need more B vitamins than women. And in my long history, I've known people who have, like, wake up, the first thing they had was a joint and smoked marijuana all day and burned out. And a mm. burned-out brain in a man is not healthy. So you have to know what you're doing to your body. Well, Vitamins are very important. Like now they're going back to LSD may help people with PTSD. When I was younger, when LSD first came around, there were guys that sat with people who had problems. Like one professor had a mathematical problem, and they gave him LSD, and they worked with him. And he, came, he solved the problem. I mean, this is possible. We, 
we have to see the possibilities. Hey, now, Christina, I, I've got to take yeah. a break, so I do apologize. But I, but I oh, do, but oh, I do, oh. but I do want to say to you, Happy New Year! And you, you're seventy. You said seventy-eight. Yes, thank you, darling. Okay, so you're you're seventy-eight years old, uh, young, and we appreciate you. I don't feel like seventy-eight. Well, there you go. Seventy-eight. And well, my hair hasn't turned white. I don't know. There's something wrong. Well, there, well, there you go, pretty lady. Thank you, thank you, Christina, and you have a uh, a great new year. Dominic Carter here with you, folks, on the other side of midnight. And for Frank Morano, time for a break. When we come back, more of your telephone calls. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Good morning. Dominic Carter here with you folks in for Frank Morano. And we hope that you are having a uh, a good Friday morning. And we are taking your calls from across the country. 800-848-9222. In a moment, we will go up to Boston. But let's begin right now with Sherry in New Jersey. Good morning, Sherry. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say I worked for Eastern for many years as a flight attendant, and there is something you can do with a baby. First of all, a pacifier or a bottle is very helpful because it helps the sucking. Okay, so wait, Sherry. Wait, 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 wait. So, so we're, discuss- we're going back to the issue of of kids on uh, air on airline on airplanes and the crying. So so you just said that as a former um flight attendant I believe you said pacifiers are a one good step but please continue now. Yeah, pacifiers and, and bottles. But also I used to make magic. People were amazed. I would take the baby and I would bring the baby to over the wings because um the most the humming of the wings the the motors over the wing, it would put them right out. Within a few wow. minutes, they'd be out, and everybody would be like, oh, that's magic. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? The baby would go out. And so that's really, you can't be in an emergency aisle, but right on the wing or right behind, that's the best place to take a baby. And so, real quick, I wanted to add, in the ahead. 70s, when I was growing up um, in college and high school, marijuana, um, they said damages sperm in men. And they attribute that sometimes to, like, all these cases of autism and things like that, um, you know, between the poisons and uh, whatever it does to the sperm. And uh, also another thing from the 70s is there was global cooling back then. They said with the global cooling, they used to scare us. Global cooling, it's going to kill the bushes and the animals that feed on the bushes, and we're going to eradicate whole populations of certain 
birds and animals. So you know what? It's kind of a different rendition of the 70s, what's going on now. So that's all I wanted to say. Hey, Sherry, uh, but before, before you leave us, so um, I feel a little bad <laughs> that when, um, when I'm on an aircraft and a baby's near me, I'm like, oh, shoot me now. And, and and I want to move, but I'm embarrassed to say, please move me. I don't even know if they will. Did, when you were a flight attendant, did you encounter a lot of that? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you could do. Laptop children, anybody that was under two, um, had to sit on, well, unless you paid for a seat, had to sit on the parent's lap. And it was no joy for anybody around. But we did know by strategically putting them around the wings, that humming, just like taking a baby for a ride in the car, it would put them out. So wow, it minimalized the amount of time that you had to deal with something like that. So who knew? And the rest is, yeah, and also a lot of adults experience that with their ears for baby pacifier and, and like that. But if you take um, some paper towels and you soak them in boiling water, because it would happen to businessmen even – in boiling water, and then you kind of empty them out and then put a lot of paper towels over it so it didn't burn you. And you put them on each ear. It equalized the pressure. And that also eases the, uh, like, when ears hurt. So you could do it to a, a little bit older child. But for an infant, pacifiers are bottles. Sherry, we appreciate your call and your wisdom and advice. Thank you very much. Let's go from New Jersey up to Boston. And our friend Jennifer. Good morning, Jennifer. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Um, I'm so enjoying being able to hear you for longer periods. No, I enjoy a friend too, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I always wish you had more time. So anyway, that said, I just wanted to speak briefly to a couple of things the doctor talked about regarding marijuana. Go um, right ahead. And that is that... Um, there is a lot going on with increased uh, traffic, anti- uh, accidents, and fatalities in Colorado. You can look into the statistics since the legalization. And right here in Massachusetts, we had an extremely stone, shall we say, uh, person crash into a Massachusetts state trooper that was on a traffic stop, and he killed the trooper who left behind seven children, Trooper Clardy. And it was uh, the guy went to trial, and it's very hard, Dominic, because they have no way right now to, you know, uh, specifically say the level of um, marijuana in the bloodstream and all this. It's it's a horrible thing. And the the other thing that's happening are edibles. That's where a lot of the hospitalizations are coming from. Are edibles um, because there's so much within the edibles, and people don't know, and they just kind of munch on them, and they're all. I mean. You have groups of adults going in that took them together. They're freaking out. They think they're losing their minds. Their heart rates are up. They're this, they're that. Um, and um, the other thing is, I'm not sure if it's Alex Berenson, I think, maybe wrote a book, but I remember hearing um, excerpts and, and conversation about the book, and that is psychosis that is induced in children that start smoking weed at 13 um, or, you know, in other words, when they're quite young, 12 or 13, and keep smoking, the incidence of psychosis in those kids as they get older is staggering compared to those that do not smoke marijuana. Um, so it's just something to think about. I, I think to compare it to certainly there's a lot of drawback and negativity in our collective lives and personal lives regarding alcohol. I'm not saying that's a great thing either. 
But I think anything, people have to know what they're getting into and they have to, you know, do their research because just because something is legal doesn't mean it's safe in any way. Amen. Um, Amen. You know? and, and to your point, Jennifer, I don't think that most people know what they're getting into with this marijuana. They think they do. They think it's not harmful until they end up, um, for lack of a better term, becoming lazy, losing their job, and then losing everything. Of course, that doesn't happen to everyone, but it happens to some, Jennifer. I I know people it's happened to. I know a guy that admitted it to me. He's a very bright, funny guy, went to private school, very capable, very sweet. But he just said he knows it did a number on him because he started smoking every day right up until his 30s and then, you know, in his 40s. And he said, I could have been something so much more if I hadn't gotten into this. And also, right here in Massachusetts, they just uh, did, I don't know, they they did away with something, some regulation that made it easy to use more pesticide on the marijuana uh, because it's harder to grow without it. So you just don't know what you're getting. And... um, uh, you you know what I mean? It's all kind of a crapshoot. If you're taking marijuana, it's, it, it, like I just said, there's, there are drawbacks. So one last thing on Trump's taxes, just yes. quickly. Go ahead, quickly. I know that, yeah, I just heard something the other day when they were first referencing them, when they were first, you know, made available, that they said, oh, one, about one of the years or something, Trump had no income at all. But I think the funny thing no one will talk about is that for four years, Trump gave up almost $2 million in donating his salary. Um, and I don't think anyone will talk about that when, this, when his taxes come out. So, right. Um, right. You know. that, that, that's a good point. I do have to move on, Jennifer. I appreciate you, and I thank you for your call this morning. Dominic Carter here with you folks. On the other side of midnight, I'm in for Frank Morano. And I will be uh, passing the mantle to Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa will be taking over the show in about 29 minutes. But until then, until then, it's you and I, Sean in Brooklyn, New York. Good morning, Sean. What's on your mind? Love you. Merry Christmas. Love you too, Sean. And happy holidays to you and your family. Get right to it. I mean, now it's legal good. It's a choice, just like they did prohibition 100 years ago, 19, whatever, 18. So let's talk about more important what's destroying uh, the country with the crime going crazy. I mean, the hypocrisy is embarrassing. You know, I saw a special on PBS. People were complaining it's a food desert. And this is, ten, this is about oh, more than five years ago. It's a food desert, and we're talking about Beach 90th all the way to Beach, like 10th Street. They're complaining there's no more stores because they keep getting robbed. So the stores pulled out, and all the people are now complaining, oh, 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 it's a desert, oh, no, no, no. Well, that's what you get. See, and this is Democrat people. Why do they keep voting the same? Because they keep getting a handout. As long as you keep giving a handout, they're going to keep voting Democrat. Now, another point I want to make, I mean— uh, the poor guy gets killed right in front of his nine-year-old, okay? The guy who killed him should have even been out of you-know-what. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Are you referring to, to that Manhattan uh, incident with the uh, the Manhattan, New York, where the man was killed in front of his uh, daughter? Yeah, the guy should have even been out. But see, since the United Sean, States is racist, Sean, 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 you, you're preaching to the choir right now, my friend. I'm going to let you finish. We We've... <sighs> The truth of the matter is, and some of my um, some of my Democratic friends don't like this. 
The truth of the matter is Black Lives Matter set us back tremendously. The George Floyd situation set us back tremendously. Now, Dominic, what are you talking about? No one should die like that. The police officer is doing uh, prison time. But, and people, you know, I, I have to be careful. I have to dance around too. But Mr. Floyd was not a Boy Scout. I mean, we, we have to be honest about these things. And, Sean, you are correct about the crime problem. And I don't want to get all worked up this morning uh, in terms of, uh, because it, it, it's, re- and what kills me is that the people that are the vo- most vulnerable that will be unfortunately robbed are the people that continue to fight for the rights of these animals. And it, it's as simple uh, as that. Let me go to uh, Mary Ann in Queens, New York. I'm short on time, Mary Ann, but go right ahead, please. Uh, good morning, Dominic. Good morning. Um, I wish you and everyone a happy new year. The same to you and your family. All right. Uh, um, if I give my opinion about Santos, I don't think he should resign. About that a congressman exact- like George Santos. Yes, okay. I don't, yes. I don't think he should because everything, if you look at the history of all this thing, right? First, it was the most liberal paper, Democrat paper, that made the investigation, okay? It is a woman that used to be a candidate for the Democrat Party for presidency who put him in that shame in front of the people. Now, if we are going to get rid of politicians because they lie, we will have to abolish the whole government in the United States because all of them lie. But Marianne, but, but he, come on, whoa, 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 Marianne, come on now. Let, come on, the level of lies uh, that are at the feet of Mr. Uh, Santos. I mean, come on, th- 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 this is not a normal situation, Marianne. Um, I agree with you in that. But at the same time, this is my theory. If the Santos were a Democrat, the Socialist New York Times will never come after him. The Baruch okay. College, which is one of the, will you please let me finish? Yeah, but Marianne, I, College, Marianne, Marianne, I cannot okay, let you go on and on and on. I just, I have okay, too many calls. Go ahead, go ahead, I will let you talk, go ahead. Oh, no, I just, Marianne, I'm trying to be respectful to you, but you want to give me a long dialogue. I don't have time for that right now. There are too many calls. So you got to make your point and then I have to move on. Okay. Baruch College is one of the most liberal ones and fell under Adams and the governor of New York, which are super liberal. Okay? They will have created, the Democrats will have created a diploma for the guy if he were the Democrat. Okay? And on top of that, Wikipedia will make a very good biography, including a Jewish heritage. Okay, but wait, 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 Ma- Marianne, Marianne, you said, you just said the mayor of New York and others would have made an award for Mr. Santos if he were a Democrat. Can you give me one example of that and then I have to move on? Okay, um, if you see what happened at the elections in 2020. No, 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 you're you're the one that just said if he were a Democrat, they'd give him an award. So give me one example of where that happened. Say an award. 
they will create a biography for him. Oh, a biography. Okay. Okay. They lie, and at the same time, they create the lie. Okay. okay? I, I the hear media you. wants to get rid of all MAGA candidates, and as well as Donald Trump. If he were a, a Democrat, just because of of his homosexual homosexual gender, they will create a homophobic accusation against all his detractors. Now, okay. going right. back to Blue, uh, to Marianne, to I, I have to move on. I, I have a full slate of calls. I, I've given you uh, three minutes and 22 seconds to be exact. But but thank you. Thank you for the call. Sherry in Brooklyn. Good morning, Sherry. What's on your mind? Hi, Dominic. I just want to wish you and your family a very happy new year. Is this uh, the you know, uh, the recently uh, retired NYPD officer? I won't say your last name. Is is that yes, who this is. is? How is retirement going for you? Boring. <laughs> After forty years with the uh, NYPD, you know, you know what, uh, Officer Sherry, I'll just call you that. A lot of people, particularly police officers that I know that have uh, re- retired, they say exactly the same thing that they're bored to death. What what's up with that? Uh, you know what it is because. You're doing a job where you're always out there. And like I said, it's the front seat to the greatest show on earth. So, you know, it's, it's you step back and you don't have that adrenaline rush all the time. Mm. So, mm. yeah. So, so what are you going to do to get that rush again? I have no idea yet, Dominic. <laughs> well, Officer Sherry, I, I thank you for your close to 40 years of service. Uh, in terms of an NYPD police officer, you are amazing. And thank you so, so much you. for what you've done. Well, that's very kind of so you, but, you, but but you, you've been on the front line. I thank you. I thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Officer Sherry, before I go. Well, I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't know what your opinion is. What's your take on uh, on recreational marijuana? Very bad idea. I said this a long time ago. The best way to control people is to keep them uh, basically incapacitated. And you, you know, so if you're stoned or you're drunk or you know you're looking for that handout, you're under control. And you are certainly one person that has not received a handout for 40 years getting up and going to work every day, putting your life on the line, period. But, Dominic, you too, in a way, have been on the front line, so well, you get up and go to work every yes, day. Yes, 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 but, but I don't have to deal uh, – I don't have to deal with the element uh, that you do. I, I don't have to worry about uh, going out on a call and catching a bullet in the head. And and the, these yeah, but, were these were things you had to deal with. Yeah, but the sad the sad situation is is that the way crime is in the city now, it's not just you see all these innocent bystanders that like that poor woman walking with her son to the store the other day. Yes, yes, it, it's and and it's happening all over the country. Officer Sherry, again, I won't say your last name. We love you, and thank you for what you've done. You too. Thank you for the people, and you have a beautiful morning. Dominic Carter filling in for Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Time for a break. When we come back, when we come back, more of your calls. I see we have some more comments as it relates to children crying on airplanes. We'll be right back. 
The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Carter in for Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. A number of calls from around the country. Let's go up to Amir in Boston. Good morning, Amir. Good morning, Dominic. You know, sometimes you cease to amaze me. You may have been a journalist, right? And I believe you have integrity, but I don't know what sort of spin you're doing tonight. You said about January 6th. I, I still can't believe you said this. You said that. There was nothing there. What happened? Amir, 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 wait, 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 Amir, 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 Amir. Let's start with what was the allegation. Let's dissect. Wait, wait, wait. Let's dissect this. What was the allegation? Of January 6th, what happened? Right. I'm asking you, what was the allegation? Yes, January 6th, what was the allegation? A coup took place. Right. And and who did the establishment blame for it? Trump and his elks. Who else? Okay. Uh, now, what yeah. case did they prove? The same information that we had the day before they started is the same information we basically have as they have ended and they've pulled back their subpoena. So what did I say that was no, not no. accurate? No, no, no. The subpoena, you got that right. The Democrats are wimps. I'll give you that one. That one I give you. It's not but that they're you- wimps. They had nothing, Amir. It's not that they're no. wimps. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Hold on. It's not that they have nothing. They know that this is not going to carry over because of timeline. I get that. But my point is this. You're a man who respects, respects the law, which I, I like that. And here are Donald Trump's thugs going there beating up Washington Capitol police officers. And this man, supposedly a president, watched this for three hours, and he has the power to call the National okay, Guard. Okay, okay. No, 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 no. He, 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 he doesn't. Wait, wait, wait. You're not the host, Amir. He does not have the power to call in the National Guard, number one. Only only governors and, and, and in the case of D.C., the mayor. That's number one. Number two, and I'm going to let you finish, but I cannot just let you go on with a litany of false information. Because that's that's all you're doing, my friend. I know you believe you're speaking from the heart, but you've got your facts all wrong. I am a man of facts, a man of facts. And if if you're going to quote me, please, Amir, quote me right. And I said, was it Trump's finest hour? No. But did he do anything criminal? The answer is no. So now please go ahead. Okay. By the way, Frank Morano, he's the one who made that fact place. It was, not, it was not up to Pelosi. It's up to the president called the National Guard. That's where I got it from. But forget about that. Let's say you're right about that. Okay, let's say for argument sake. Okay. Let's say you're right okay. about that. Okay, for argument sake. Now, three, three hours goes by. Der, you ever heard of dereliction of duty? Three hours goes by. He comes out. And what does he say? We love you. You're special. But you have to go home now. That is dis. Okay, so wait, Amir. You know, wait, wait, Amir. Wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. Is it is it criminal that he didn't come out sooner? No, that's not criminal. Okay. So wait. So Amir. So uh, so Amir. Yeah. So you want me to speak on a moral level? 
I'm speaking on a level of X's and O's and what prosecutors can prove in a court of law. And they can't prove a damn thing as it relates to Mr. Trump. And that committee knew it, and it was a complete waste of time. That is, You're only proving my point, Amir. You want moral outrage from me. You're not, what What was it? Was it great that happened at the Capitol? Absolutely not. Was it despicable? Yes, it was. But you cannot, in a, in a criminal court of law, pin that on Trump. Please continue again. One quick question, I'll leave you alone. Thanks for giving some airtime, by the way. I appreciate that. So let's say, uh, end of uh, uh, the mayor's time, he has to leave office, right? And for whatever reason, he said, you know what, I'm going to be in office. This election was rigged. I'm staying in there. And his thugs came in City Hall, and they beat up cops. And he stood there for four hours and do nothing. You telling me that's not a criminal act for not coming out and doing something about this? It's not I'm criminal. Serious. It's not criminal. Really? And I'm serious okay, as cancer. Amir, I don't know about the naive aspect, but, but unless you can prove that Trump uh, actively encouraged them to do what they did, and that's impossible to prove against any president because you would have to get into their mind. That's why it's almost impossible to prove a liable case against a public figure. Because in, in order, if you sue for defamation, you have got to prove malice. And in order to prove malice, you have, have, you have to document, be able to prove that that individual knew the information was false before they published it, and it's almost impossible. So you want to be morally outraged? I hear you, man, and I respect where you're coming from. But I'm telling you, now maybe on something else they got the goods on Trump, but on this one they do not. I'm going to let you have the final word again, Amir, and then I'm going to move on. Okay, my final word is, by the way, I'm glad you're for another two hours. I was giving a take. I'm really well, happy you. you're on the air. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, number uh, number two, uh, it just really burns me because when you're the president, you set an example. You know what I'm saying? And it just it really burns me up. You're right. Maybe morally I can't convict him because it's a moral thing. But uh, anyway. I, I hear you, uh, Amir. Take of course, of course, I'll take your call. And thank you, Amir. And I, I appreciate it. Your, your, your. I appreciate your spirited uh, reaction. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn on children crying on airplanes. Hey, Larry. Yeah, how you doing, Dominic? You know, I wanted to respond to Amir, but I think you want to hear. Well, go ahead. You, respond I, respond to Amir, and then you can tell me about the babies. But just do it quickly, please. Okay. Ba- basically, basically, it's this. You know, he's talking about moral outrage. The problem is half the country uh, was not privy to things that what I was privy to. I stayed up all night and, and, and heard the returns come in when Trump was ahead in states like Wisconsin. Okay, Larry, Larry, do me a favor. Larry, 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 do me a favor. I don't, yeah. Yeah, but see, Larry, Larry, listen, if I played into that for the next 30 years, we would debate the returns of the election. The election is over. We have a president that's been in office for a couple of years now. That train has left the station. It's never, ever coming back. So now please go ahead with your comment. 
Okay, no, we're, we're just talking. We're going back two years. That's, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about responding Larry, to a mere, Larry, 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 the election, Larry, 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 the election is over. I know. So is January 6th is over, too. And that's what I said. That, that, that's okay. my point. Go ahead, Larry, right. please. Now, now, as far as the kids go, I'm, I'm not only am I on your side, but I think we have, we have a culture in this country of political correctness when it comes to children screaming and crying, you know the the, air, the airlines are obligated to the to the passengers that that want to have a decent flight and not not be uh, disturbed and annoyed and and harassed by a by a child crying. I believe that the mother, irregardless of whether she is making any attempts to quiet the child, should be required to go to the back of the plane where the stewardesses are if the child cries for more than five minutes. She should have to go to where the stewardesses are and sit there until the child quiets down. And also, in no case would I ever put a ch- let a, 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 a parent fly in first class with an infant under one years old, or maybe even under two years old, for that matter. I would be very strict about that policy. Because hey, you cannot Larry, harass people. Larry, I, I hear you, but, but I, I just note with great interest, with great interest, that you said the mother, right? You didn't say the father should go to the back of the plane. You said the mother. It, it sounds a little sexist. Well, you know what? If he wants to accompany her, I wouldn't prevent him from doing that. Well, I'd make room for him, too. Right, but, but, but what I'm trying to say, Larry, is that it's equally his responsibility as much as it is hers. Well, everybody knows that the mother is the one that, that quiets the child down, usually. If he wants to do it, fine. But if, who, who's, whichever parent wants to take the child to the back, I would say, I wouldn't. if the father wants to get up with the child and go to the back, I wouldn't say, no, the mother has to do it. You know what I mean? Okay. One of them has to do it, though. Fair enough, Larry. I appreciate your call from Brooklyn, New York. Let's go to the great state of New Jersey. Let's say good morning to Pamela. Good morning, Pamela. What's on your mind? Good morning. In reference to January 6th, it was breaking news on your station this week that they uh, discovered emails and interdepartmental uh, memos between the sergeant at arms, which is Pelosi's department, and the D.C. police that Pelosi failed to do uh, her job. She is in control of security, and it is a fact. It was breaking news this week. So um, perhaps you want to repeat that again all this week uh, over and over again. They found the emails. They found it. Hey, Pamela, I have to be honest with you. I I don't want to repeat it. And the reason why I don't want to repeat it is because this January 6th uh, stuff has been all about nonsense from day one. It's time to move on. There is no court of law in America that would convict Trump of anything as it relates to January 6th. I don't even see how he could be criminally charged. I don't even see a prosecutor uh, bringing that type of case. But, Pamela, we, we do appreciate your call, and we want to say um, Happy uh, New Year to you. Let's stay in New Jersey. Let's go to Joe. Good morning, Joe. You're with us. What's on your mind? Well, I want to agree with you, Dominic. Uh, as far as um, the marijuana goes, um, you see, I'm a psychology major, and, see, you don't understand what makes a person tick. And 
the people that are are wanting to mood alter, I'll put it that way, mood alter, whether it's on alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, if they're looking to mood alter, it's the reason for that is they're looking to move, to move off of their pain. And the pain can be an unconscious pain. I hear you, Joe, like- but that's but that's not all the cases of, of why people smoke smoke uh, marijuana. But but I, I do I do thank you for the call. Let me go to Steve in Manhattan. Steve, uh well, you know, yes, yeah, Steve in Manhattan. Go no no no. I want to go to Steve in Brooklyn because he supports uh I'm gonna try and get back to you, Steve in Manhattan. Steve in Brooklyn supports legalized uh marijuana. Is that true, Steve? Yes, I do, but I'm also skeptical of it. Okay, so talk to me for a second here. The reason why is because I look at one of the biggest poisons that's legal in America, which is sugar, which is causing more damage to our people than pretty much all of the drugs put together when it comes to um, medical expenses and the damage that it's doing. Sugar's a big problem. It's a problem. Yes, it's a poison. Not sweet, no, not sweet like fruit, but sugar. Now, I have kids who smoke weed. I hate weed. I don't smoke it. I don't like it at all. But one of the biggest things that I was afraid of when my kids smoke weed wasn't the trouble that they would get into with their jobs or their school or the laziness because I'm active in their lives. But what I couldn't help was if they got caught by police. And especially, luckily, my son never smoked. But my daughters did. And um, they paid for it. They paid for it. I believe both of them lost their job at some point because of weed. But if it wasn't going to be because of weed, it would have been because of something else. But the amount of people that were getting arrested or people that looked like me and my daughters was just scary. And that bothered me the most. The other thing that I wanted to say, another reason why I'm okay with legalizing it is because of its nutritional, uh, its uh, medical benefits. Uh, I know people who do it recreationally, they don't do it for the medical benefits. They do it for, you know, the high. But marijuana, cannabis, has a lot of benefits that I never hear anybody mention on the show. I I hear you, Steve, uh, but this is not the time to talk about the positives as far as I'm concerned. I think the state of New York, because it's insulting that that it's not insulting for me because I'm I'm not going to use it. It's insulting for the damage it's going to do to millions of people around the country. And, and Steve, I wish I'm sorry. Wait, Steve, I, I do have to go because I have to get to other callers. I'm I'm really sorry for what happened to your daughters. You said your son didn't use marijuana. And as you indicated, you said if it wasn't the marijuana for them losing their job, it was going to be something else. And I'm sorry as a dad uh, that you had to deal with that, but it sounds like you're, you're doing much better. And, man, um, you know, thank you for being there in, in your kids' lives. Um, really, really, I hear you. And I, I really do wish we had much more time uh, to discuss this. I've, I've got little time. I want to get to as many calls as humanly possible. Steve in Manhattan. I mentioned him earlier. Steve, it's got to be quick this morning. Go right ahead. All right, Big Dom. To the older kids out there who turn the younger kids onto drugs and pot, there's a special place in hell for you. 
under federal law, pot is illegal. And you'll say, well, how do states can legalize it? Because the states don't follow the laws in the Constitution anymore. Exhibit A is marijuana. Race quarters right down the line. The past Steve, it's years in this be country, quick. I cannot, we have Steve, you got 10 seconds. No, no, Steve. No, you, you're giving a you're giving us a a, um, a lecture. I don't have time for that this morning. Go right ahead. Saying, listen, drugs have been glorified in this country for the past fifty years, and it's been a wrecking ball through the society. It's destroyed lives and families. These guys who call up these potheads who talk finance and the benefits of being a pothead, they are potheads. That's what they are, pure and simple. You can't drive a car smoking pot or or drinking alcohol. It will impair your ability to do anything. And not only driving a car, you could be in the workplace in dangerous areas, heavy machinery. The guy's a pothead. They're smoking pot all over the place. Folks, this is more destruction of Western civilization. The hard left is sending us. Steve, I I don't have time for the hard left (laughs) comment this morning. Thank you for the call. I hear you. Audrey in Brooklyn. Good morning, Audrey. It has to be quick this morning. Good morning in Brooklyn, New York. Good morning. Um, they want to put the, the mother in time out because the baby cries on a plane. Wow, that's crazy. But, you know, there are benefits um, with cannabis, and it's not a misconception. But you know what? It's going to be what it's going to be, and nothing can be changed. All we got to do is talk to our youth and hope they listen. Have a great day. Thank you, Audrey from Brooklyn, New York. And, folks, you want to stay with the program. I'm Dominic Carter saying have a lovely night, a lovely morning. My man, my guy, Curtis Lewa, is about to take over. He will be here for the next two hours. We are filling in for Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. Stay with us, folks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. taking place, there will be those who die and pass into the hereafter, and there will be those that are birthed into this world to continue the cycle. But one thing you can be guaranteed, 
We will be broadcasting here live, locally, and nationally on the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC, the mothership connection of the Frank Morano National Network. And that's right. If you want me to substitute, I'm going to say what station I'm broadcasting from. I know there's ain't nobody coming in here any longer. Say, Curtis, shh. Keep it a secret. Keep WABC a secret. We don't want to upset the affiliates out there. God forbid. Where the hell do you think this broadcast comes from, right? A silo? You know, some some place in North Dakota or South Dakota? Comes from the number one news talk station in the nation with a legacy of a hundred years. A hundred years. First of spinning stacks of wax. Top 40 station in the nation. And then when we flipped the script and went talk, number one news talk station in the nation. Why wouldn't I be busting my buttons and britches with pride about it? Shh, shh, shh. All down the line. We have affiliates. They might get upset. The hell is that? <laughs> I've been doing this 35 years. These new jacks are going to tell me how to do radio? Oh, by the way, Frank Morano, uh, once again, uh, a slacker deadbeat, taking time off. My God. This guy uh, ends up taking more time off than he works. And what is this time? And this occasion is for a wine and cheese testing in Atlantic City. Uh, let me see. Broadcasting at WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, or hosting a wine and cheese testing in Atlantic City. I'm probably trying to put it on the weight scales. Nothing in comparison. I have no uh, idea what's going on. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll be in Atlantic City permanently. Maybe you'll be a blackjack dealer. Or you'll be uh, observing uh, people trying to cheat you as they're shooting dice. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you on to the break of dawn. And uh, unlike everybody else talking today about the first legalized licensed pot shop in New York City. You know, they're speaking about what they saw mostly in news reports and ripping reads. I was actually down there uh, with some of our WABC personnel, my wife, Nancy. So I'll be able to tell you in an hour because we're going to give it a rest. I know many of you are doing puff, puff, pass. Many of you are so-called experts on marijuana. Most of you know nothing about nothing. But So we'll give you a chance to max and relax for about an hour. And uh, you can put down your vape. You can put down your uh, edibles. You can put down your your blunts, your spliffs, your big fatties. Because there's something else I want to talk about first, and then we'll get right back into it. Because I actually went into the farmer's market. I call it the farmer's market at Washington Square Park, where they've been dealing pot openly since the beatniks were there in the 60s. And since Fillmore East was opened up, over on the Lower East Side of 2nd Avenue, and the Pope of Greenwich Village was actually delivering pot and taking orders in Tompkins Square Park. So there's quite a history of that uh, down there. I'll share that with all of you. 
And then I'll continue to do the morning show, uh, substituting for Sid Rosenberg, who's trying to continue to repair his house in the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera, where the pipes were bursting. Oh, man. I warned them. I warned them. I'll be joined by John Katsimatidis, and then I'll be back uh, 12, 15 to 1. It really should be 12 to 1. I'm going to get that 15 minutes (laughs) one way or the other. Because, again, there's another substitute this week, that person of no consequence. I guess they don't like uh, working, you know? And then, oh, boy, the Curtis Lee other night, uh, all extravagance as we go into the new year uh, through Saturday and through Sunday. And, of course, uh, when we do the um, Frank Morano rap program that, oh, Alec. The nighttime producer is so upset with with his schnoz right up Frank's tuchus. What a brown nose. And, of course, runway model Ken. I heard his sports reports. Oh, my God, man. I would have turned on WFAN ESPN. What the hell is this? Let me do the sports, too. The courtesy was super sports spectacular. And then we got Joey back there. I don't know what the hell he's doing there. Picking his nose, scratching his belly. What a crew. What a crow, and then, of course, our news director, Noam Layden, sitting in there thinking, how can I bamboozle Curtis again? Because I missed one of the stories of the day yesterday. My acumen, uh, my divining rod couldn't have been further off. We'll discuss all of that. But in my mind, the number one subject of all is the Roman Catholic Church and their sanctimonious hypocrisy of the way they, they run this church. Uh, when I was out there on Astor Place and Broadway before uh, everybody decided to go into the legal pot shop of New York State. By the way, not well run. Competition is just uh, out, out, out maneuver them in so many ways. But we'll save that for the next hour. So I was uh, standing on the corner there. Naturally, a very liberal area. A guy who lives in the area, grew up in the area, Greenwich Village, uh, told me that his stock and trade was he was an immigration lawyer. And that he had voted for me for mayor, even though he was very liberal and progressive in his ideas, because he had grown up with me uh, running the Guardian Angels in New York City, which I still do, and obviously in 13 countries and 130 cities. So he had quite the conversation Awaiting 4.20, which was the official time of the opening on Thursday. And I said to him, with all the clients that you get seeking asylum, where is it they want to come? Because there are immigration courts all across the nation. He goes, naturally here in New York. Because the likelihood that they'll be let in eventually when they seek an asylum here... It's far greater than it would be down in Texas or some of the cities south of the border, south of the Mason-Dixon line. He was very open about that. And he said generally it takes about three years, four years to get an asylum hearing. And then he says quite a few are shipped back to their country of origin. He said about 10% don't attend their hearings. So from his perspective... uh, He was being very open with me, and I asked him the big question. I basically set him up for this, Alex. And I said, out of all the nonprofits that are involved in bringing, actually, I called them migrants, so that would have offended him, and he would have ended the conversation if I called them what I normally do, illegal aliens. That's it. He would have slammed me shut. 
I said, who is the biggest uh, uh, nonprofit involved in uh, getting these migrants from the border to New York City? And he said, oh, Catholic Charities. And he was effusive in their praise. He said, oh, they take care of them. They provide them with food, clothes. They give them the bus tickets. They fly them up here. And I said, why do they do that? Well, they're very caring people. I didn't want to start explaining ex, uh, extenuous reasons for that. But let's face it. <clears throat> Any of you who still go to church on Sundays to a Roman Catholic church, and there are less and less people doing so, when you go to the English-speaking masses, you could roll a Brunswick bowling ball into the pews and almost hit nobody other than a few widows dressed in black who recently lost their husbands and it's part of the tradition of always going to church thereafter. Not only Sunday Mass, uh, but novenas on Monday and eventually doing Stations of the Cross. And, of course, confessions on Saturday. But the pews are empty. English-speaking attendance in Roman Catholic uh, churches are less and less. And it's caused the demise of a lot of the parishes, a lot of the parish schools. And the Archdiocese of New York run by Santa Claus, uh, Cardinal Dolan. Uh, He's looking uh, to expand the flock because the flock is diminishing. And not because they're all moving to Florida or dying off. No, it's because they're just not going to church. They're not contributing to the church's welfare. And there's no doubt the Roman Catholic Church has a lot of expenses. Well, guess what? Charging to the rescue are all of these Hispanics, many of them now from Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba who all of a sudden have found their roots in the Roman Catholic Church. They're appreciative that Catholic Charities is what they think, spending the church's money to bring them to New York, to find them a sponsor, because most of these folks don't have sponsors like it used to be years ago before they closed Ellis Island in 1954. You had to have a sponsor. And so Catholic Charities is a racket, is a business, because they're not taking the money from the church contributions on Sunday, I remember there's like four times they put the wicker baskets up and down for the Cardinals Fund, then the Bishops Fund, then the School Fund, then the Parish Fund. Look, they depend on the English-speaking audience to put American dollars in, but they'll take the pesos at night because the Spanish-speaking the Spanish masses pack them to the rafters. That's the future of the Roman Catholic Church. They know. They will no longer exist in the capacity that they can now if it's just based on English-speaking patrons. So he was very forthright. And I said, so Catholic Charities is the number one NGO bringing these uh, migrants in. Notice, once again, I said migrants. I was making sure that every time I wanted to say illegal aliens, I bit my tongue or this guy would have slammed the book on me. And not revealed information as an immigration attorney. And actually, the Santa Claus with our money is Cardinal Dolan, who has welcomed these illegal aliens in, as have cardinals and bishops in the Roman Catholic Church hierarchy all across the country. This really started in Los Angeles, which became a haven for illegal aliens because the church was welcoming them in, yet taking money from the federal government to do so in the state of California. They never quite completely explain that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then this concept where they say the priests must remain celibate, which 
Never, never, never have I understood, having gone part-time of my life to Catholic schools, the other part-time public schools, before the Jesuits shined their boots on my backside, kicked me to the curb of uh, Brooklyn Prep on Nostrand Avenue, and I never looked back. Never looked back. I will tell you this. It never made sense to me as a kid. It never made sense to me as a teenager. And it certainly doesn't make any sense to me as I approach the age of 69 in March. It is nonsensical. And what brings all of this to the forefront? It is the uh, stories now of uh, how much the Reverend Louis Mobdub Giganti, member of the Genovese crime family, brother of Vinny the Chin... Giganti and all of his brothers who were members of the Genovese crime family who were born and raised in Greenwich Village. Uh, bequeathed to his son, that's right, his son, who was living upstate in New York where Father Giganti would go in and out of the house up there with his wife in Summers, New York, like he was going to work. Put the, the collar on, have the black schmont on, and everybody, hey, it's Father Giganti, the house of Father J. Hey, that's Father, that's his son, that's his wife. And the archdiocese, the archdiocese, Joseph Swilling said, oh, we had no idea that Father Giganti had a son. We had no idea that he had violated the rules of celibacy. Bull feathers, bull feathers. And they perpetuate this... Um, this tradition that makes absolutely no sense. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And you tell me how a priest who supposedly took a life of poverty ends up bequeathing to his son $7 million that we know of. Because I know he, he had the Genovese crime family money that was salted away in other places. And then this guy had the nerve to tell the New York Times back in 1981, which should have immediately got him defrocked. Hey, I didn't take a vow of poverty. People think I don't get paid and that I'm a saint for doing it. That's their problem. Right there. Hey, Archdiocese. You see that? It was in the New York Times. Right in your freaking face. I'm a crook. I make excuses for my brother, Vinny the Chin Giganti. I walk him around Greenwich Village while he talks to the birds, the bees, the flowers, and the trees, acting Meshuggah or Ubats. I say there's no such thing as organized crime. I do it in a collar. I do it with the priest vestments on. What do you do to me? Nothing. I'm married. I got a kid. I got $7 million in the bank. What is the archdiocese? We had no idea. Uh, None whatsoever. (laughs) You talk about transparency, right? But, hey, please, make your donations on Sunday. You know, come, come. Uh, Get the tablet, you know, the weekly uh, uh, Roman Catholic newspaper, and please make your donations. Hey, how do you answer for Reverend Louis Giganti, huh? Well, the rest of you out there who say, oh, Curtis, you will... Uh, come on, shouldn't be talking about this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. Because I've been talking about it for freaking years. And the archdiocese said I was a liar. Oh, he's making this up. He's lying. Really? I was lying? Who is lying and who is covering up? And how many other priests out there have families and kids? I know of many. 
I know we all think some of them are pedophiles on the pedestals. They're chasing little altar boys around. They do some of that. But there's some of them. They leave the rectory, right? They got the Rolex on because, you know, they don't live a life of poverty. They're not chased. Not like the nuns. They're rolling around there in their Beamer and Benzes. And then all of a sudden, they're pulling up to a driveway of a car. Hey, it's Father Joseph. He's got a family. And why shouldn't they have a family? Why shouldn't they be able to get married? Who the hell ever created a rule that said they had to remain celibate? Well, we know they go back to the 12th century. And priests were getting married then openly and having families. And when all of a sudden they would die, they would bequeath whatever they had in this world to their family and not the Roman Catholic Church. And all of a sudden the church leadership said, that's our pot of money. So from now on, you'll be like Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He was celibate. He hadn't married. Yeah, but what about all the apostles? Uh, We're not talking about them now. I mean, what fake, phony, fraudulent statements. And so many of you have been like, "Eh, eh, 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 sheep, oh, whatever you say, Cardinal, whatever you say, Bishop, eh, whatever you say, Father Francis, eh, 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 how come you're not retired? 83 years old, Richard, I might have to retire. Please, do it quickly. Go back to being a bouncer outside of that nightclub strip parlor in uh, Buenos Aires in Argentina. You know, the smoke went up the chimney. Uh, it had to be somebody from South America because uh, God only knows it's one of the few places where we actually have Catholics and the Philippines. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Notice, not one call, right? They don't want to talk about this. It's the open secret of the Roman Catholic Church bringing in illegal aliens every day at our expense. Cardinal Dolan playing Santa Claus, showing up. Oh, children of God. Yeah, meantime, they got tattoos on their necks, MS-13, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Padre. Taking them out there, giving them swag bags, Obama phones, food, shelter, the whole nine yards. By the way, um, is that the Roman Catholic Church money? No, it's actually your money, suckers. But we get grants from the federal government to do all this because... We are a business, Catholic Charities, and our business is bringing in more and more illegal aliens. This way we get more and more money from you, the suckers. But remember, the God's children, that's why we're doing it. Really? Is that really why you're doing it? Or you're doing it because you're trying to fill up the churches that you're having to close on a yearly basis. Come on. Let's talk about it. Look, not, not one call. Oh, shh. Don't mention WABC. And don't talk about the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> I'll never forget uh, when I went to my local parish going up in Canarsie, Our Lady of Miracles. Walked into the rectory and it was Monsignor Simonetti. Oh! Oh, tough guy, right? Tough guy. I think I was in second grade, third grade. And I looked up at this painting on the wall, and it was a painting of Benito Mussolini talking to Ethiopians, tribal Ethiopians. Because, remember, Italy had colonized Somalia, Eritrea, and Ethiopia, and they invaded Ethiopia as part of World War, before the start of World War II. So I said, Father Simonetti, uh, how come you have a picture of Benito Mussolini on? Oh, he was a great man, a great man. Great man. Oh, 
you know, you got to understand, uh, fake news, fake news about Benito Mussolini. Turns out, years later, when they published a list of the pervs in the Roman Catholic Church, who would listen to Monsignor Father Simonet? Although I didn't know that at the time. But I will tell you this. I went to St. Matthew's, uh, where the Josephite nuns ruled, the Irish nuns, and their convent went in there. Boy, they were chased. They lived an impoverished lifestyle. Walked over to the rectory. Oh, my God, did those priests live ostentatiously. So I figured, hey, I'll follow the nuns. I'm not following the priest because the priest would say, hey, want to be an altar boy? Nope. Nope. No, sorry, I don't want to be an altar boy. Yeah, you know, we teach you this. No. I'll become a choir boy. I'll wear red, not black. And I stood up there, right there in the back of the church, you know, with the pipe organ. And we practiced our choral arrangements. And who was our leader? Not the priest. The nun. Hell of a lot safer with the nun. Although she could hit you with a three-foot ruler and your mother would feel the vibrations at home. Always love the nuns. Hated the priests for a variety of reasons. But now I got another reason. Louis Gigante, right? May you burn in hell without an asbestos suit. And the church is acting now like, how did he end up with $7 million? I don't know. How did he have a, a son living openly in Summers, New York, walking in and out with his collar and his black schmata? I don't know. How is it? Then let's just say, Alec, you were an Episcopalian priest or you were um, a Baptist pastor and you decided that one of the last things in your life you wanted to do was flip the script and convert and become a Roman Catholic priest. But you, you got this problem. You got a wife and three kids. No problem for you. You get to keep your wife and your three kids. And then the regular Roman Catholic priest said, wait a second. And I can't marry, I can't have a family, I can't have kids. No. How come the Episcopalian, the wannabe Catholic, right, uh, from the Church of England, the Anglican Church that Frank Morano claimed he was a member of all of five seconds, how come they could convert and become a Roman Catholic priest and they get to keep their family? Well, you know, that deed was already done. And as you notice, we need priests. We don't have any priests. So we have to make exceptions to the rule in order to be able to forge ahead. What sanctimonious hypocrites. Now, John Katsimatidis, who will be joining me at the 6 o'clock hour, uh, he grew up in the Greek Orthodox faith. Their priests are able to get married, but if you want to move up to hierarchy, you can't be married. That's right, if you want to be a big macha, you know, eventually the archbishop, eventually in charge of everything in the Greek Orthodox, you can't be married. I don't buy that either. But, hey, at least, at least it makes a hell of a lot more sense than the Roman Catholic. Nope, can't get married. But we need priests. And, hey, oh, you, Episcopalian, you want to convert, flip the script? You want to become a priest in the Roman Catholic? Oh, we need you. Oh, what's this? You have a wife and how many kids? Twelve? No problem. How do you justify that? Can anybody out there explain that? You could be from outside of the faith inside. One of the last things I want to do in this world is serve the sacraments as a Roman Catholic priest. You know, extreme unction. You know what extreme unction is, Alec? You would have no idea. The deathbed vestments that have been put on by priests twice when I was involved. And I looked up at them and said, not yet. Not yet, Padre. (laughs) 
We called it extra munction. I forget what they call it now. You know, that was severe, Alec. I know, yeah, you're wondering. This. Yeah, what do they call it now? Oh, anointing the sick. No, I was almost dead. It had nothing to do with the sick, pal. They were there to give me my last rites, right? They had the extra munction vest on. Now they call it something else. Hey, I remember seeing Cardinal O'Connor there. He was in, uh, hmm. <laughs> it was in the hospital, Bellevue. They said, he might not make it. I came prepared with my extra munction vest to give him his last rites. And then when I woke up in intensive care, not yet, Cardinal, not yet. You're not going to grab me and pull me into the grave. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Look, 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 come on. Explain this to me, men and women of faith. How can you belong to a church in which they so flagrantly violate their own laws? Also, what about whatever happened to Limbo? I like whatever happened to Limbo when I was growing up and I was reading my Baltimore catechism. I was told that unbaptized babies went to a place called Limbo, not Rush Limbaugh land, Limbo. And then all of a sudden it disappeared. And I said, hey, Father, what happened to Limbo? Don't worry about it. The babies are being taken care of. But where did they go? Hey, you asked too many questions, kid. I always have, and I always will. Oh, where did Limbo go? Well, it just dissolved. Who dissolved it? None of your business. Because there's papal infallibility. How dare you challenge the Pope? God talks directly through the Pope. I said, are you crazy? You see some of the Popes we've had in history? Uh, They must have been talking in tongues. Because they had families, they had riches, they had gumadas. Was God telling them to do that? Well, maybe they didn't get the translation from Aramaic, the original language of Jesus. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Frank Morano has decided that tasting cheese and wine in Atlantic City is more important than the, being at the Mothership Connection here at WABC. But what, what religion is Frank? He was birthed Roman Catholic. He dabbled with the Anglican Church, now claims like Hillary Rodham Clinton at Bush 43. He's a Methodist. Yeah, right. <laughs> what will he be tomorrow? Shooting craps at the Borgata Sinner! Eating that fromage, drinking that wine, getting drunk. Sitting. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Then there's the. <laughs> The other day, hey, Father Louis Gigani turned out to be a perv. So he bequeathed $7 million to his uh, son that he lived openly with, with his wife, in uh, Somers, New York. Everybody knew this. Archdiocese, we didn't know it. And now the Archdiocese is getting hit with two lawsuits charging Gigante with being a perv for having uh, sexually assaulted a girl when she was 10 years old in the parish that he was assigned to in the South Bronx. 
St. Athanasius, and then also a young boy who was 10 years old. And who's going to pay out on that? Uh, Roman Catholic Church. How about taking his assets? Uh, The $7 million that he probably purloined and using that money to pay off the victims. You think so? Because you know what the Catholic Church is going to do. Oh, we're bankrupt. Can't pay out. (sighs) Let's go to Marion, one of the most Catholic of all cities. There's New Orleans, and of course there's Baltimore. Your turn to be heard, Mary. Thank you so much, sir. I hope you're having a good morning. No, I'm having a... I got to be honest with you. I'm having a a lousy morning here. But go ahead, Mary. The weather, I understand. Well, also the immigration challenge and all those other things. But very nice to finally hear the voice behind the name. Um, So, yes, I am a transplant to Maryland. And um, I'm Roman Catholic, but we grew up in Virginia. And long story short, I didn't hear all these allegations before. I'm very, very close to the church. At one point, I almost became one of those sisters that hit you on the hand with the ruler stick. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we ha- we do. We have to love them because they do all the hard work like nurses do for doctors, right? Oh, no so, doubt. Um, like I said, I'm close yeah. to the nuns, but the priests, yeah. I've had enough of them. You know, have you heard the latest is that there was planned infiltration into the Holy Catholic Church, just like everywhere, right? So that is what I'm always thinking about. And I don't know if you've heard of uh, Bishop Robert Barron. Now, he had very, very strong uh, homilies. They moved him from California all the way into the Midwest again. But, I mean, that's common knowledge. I'm not trying to say anything against anybody. Mr. Yeah, he was, he was very strong pro-life. He was uber pro-life. Yeah. Yes. And he um, – so – but he he's, you know, he's uh, obedient. He said, I love it here. It's fine. Anywhere I go, I love it. That's my motto. Wherever I have to move, you know, I'm fine. I'm right near Towson University. So um, I wanted to call in about the marijuana earlier, but anyway, about the Roman Catholic Church. Well, yeah, well, they. Uh, what uh, the bottom line is, Mary. So our audience knows uh, this yeah. one priest, uh, very outspoken, mm-hmm. very uber pro-life. Uh, they defrocked. Mm-hmm. They just defrocked. In the meantime, they had a Jesuit who was right. the mm-hmm. friend, uh, mm-hmm. who was the friend of Pope Francis, uh, who. Uh, was accused by nuns of uh, trying to induce them in a menage a trois, telling them that this will simulate the Trinity of God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, oh, God the Son, and uh, Jesus Christ. And so the nuns complained. And so they did an investigation, and they said, yeah, this priest got to go. And then all of a sudden the Jesuits stepped in, right, the secret society of the Jesuits, Say, oh, no, that's one of our guys. Yeah, he's got to stay on board. Then other nuns came and they said the same thing. This guy would come and he would tell us, look, let's have a menage a trois and we can recreate the Trinity. He's still an active priest. The Jesuits saved him. You know that song, a DJ saved my life. Oh, the Jesuits saved this Jesuit priest from being defrocked. Meantime. The priest said, Mary, in Baltimore, a very Catholic city, by the way, as New Orleans is, that's where the booze flows 24-7-365. See, it's not a dry city. Then you know it's the wasps. It's the Baptists who run it. But anyway, I digress. 
the point is, is this one Jesuit priest remains at the Vatican. And yet, the priest who was uber pro-life, I'm not pro-life, I'm pro-choice, but he was uber pro-life. That's what the church is. We're defrocking him. Who defrocked him? Pope Francis. Because I guess the priest disagreed with him. Whereas the perv Jesuit agreed with him. It's all politics. Let's go to Martin in Las Vegas. Your turn to be heard here. Uh, Martin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Curtis, uh, just for background, I was uh, I was an altar boy. Uh, some of the things you said about, you know, altar boys having that uh, happen uh, may have happened, in fact, for all I know. The fact is, when you're an altar boy, the first thing you notice about that is that there's wine. I come from an Italian background. I'm half Swiss and half Italian. And the point was, that was always my temptation, going to the Mass, saying, saying you know, the, uh, the, the, the Mass with the priest, and then uh, having that temptation in the, back, uh, in the rectory there where the wine is. Now, I don't know about you, but you, you make a big point about Catholics uh, uh, you know, coming into this country for the reason that the priest wants, uh, the church wants them to uh, join the church for money, and et cetera. Well, that's been going on for years, uh, Curtis. Uh, you know, you're not telling anybody anything new. Yeah, but Martin, they're doing it on our dime. It's not the church's dime. They are getting federal funds as a nonprofit and NGO, and they are bringing right. these illegal aliens across the border, and into cities all across America. Hey, if they want to do it, that's fine, but do it on your dime. Go to your parishioners, your Catholic parishioners, and say, we have a special collection today on Sunday to bring in the illegal aliens, and watch, when they put the wicker baskets up and down the aisles, they'll get belly button lint, nothing. Uh, You've been to L.A., and you know the population there is uh, uh, primarily, I mean, there's a lot of Mexicans in L.A., uh, uh, I call him Baloney Mahoney, who was the uh, the Archbishop. Pardon me, the uh, I think he's the, the Cardinal uh, Archbishop. Right, he was the one that brought him in. His his method was to bring him in because he felt sorry for them. Now I'm not saying he's a, uh, a you know a, 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 a whatever you want to call him a, a liar, uh, whether or not he felt sorry for them. He may have uh, felt sorry for them. What he did was. Uh, that opened the door for Mexicans all over Mexico to come in. Uh, in those days, uh, I guess you could say they uh, had a sponsor, but it was the Catholic Church that brought them in, and they brought them to Los Angeles. They weren't interested in Santa Barbara. You wouldn't find a Mexican in Santa Barbara except the Mexican restaurant. So, uh, you know, it, it goes around. It goes around. Well, see, Martin, I don't have a problem with that at all. If the Catholic Church wants to bring in illegals and sponsor them with Catholic dollars from Catholic contributions, whether they've been bequeathed money to do so as people pass into the half hour uh, hereafter and say, yeah, I'd like to give a million dollars to the church fund to bring in the illegals, that's fine. But they're doing it with our tax dollars. Without our permission, it's being done under the radar screen, and naturally it's become a business. It's become a racket, Martin. I think we lost Martin. I think uh, the spirit of his uh, cardinal out there has interfered and said, don't be talking to this guy. 
We're going to excommunicate him. Hey, go ahead, excommunicate me. I'm, I'm already out the door. I'm already out the door. God. Ladies and gentlemen, any church, any group wants to bring in illegal aliens, it's on your dime, fine. Don't be taking our tax dollars to do it when we have veterans who are not being cared for, American homeless people who are not being cared for, emotionally disturbed people who are not being cared for. And as the borough president of uh, Staten Island so eloquently said on this very radio station, WABC, that's right, I said it. Just last week, we have active military families who cannot survive on the monies that they're being paid. Can't even buy pampers. Can't buy the basic essentials for their family. And we're taking care of illegal aliens? Well, if the Catholic Church wants to provide them with a sanctuary, I'd like to see the appeal. Cardinal Dolan saying we need a special fund. Uh, We're going to take a special contribution. At Midnight Mass, remember everyone was packed at Midnight Mass because they always show up for Christmas Eve Mass. If they would have put the wicker baskets up and down for Midnight Mass and a special contribution to care for the illegal aliens, you know how few contributions would have been in that wicker basket? If you would have said, oh, we're doing it to support our active military personnel, lots of money. Uh, Our veterans, lots of money. Our homeless, emotionally disturbed, not as much. But there'd be more money in that wicker basket than there would be for illegal aliens. Yet the Catholic Church, there's supposed to be separation of church and state. Whatever happened to separation of church and state? Oh, tax dollars. Yeah. NGO. Yeah. Largest group in America bringing in illegal aliens as an NGO, Catholic Charities. How come we don't have any say in that? It's our money. It's not the Catholic Church's money. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. As we approach the dropping of the ball, New Year's Eve, and uh, I'll be broadcasting. In fact, I'll be down in Times Square, as I am every year with the Guardian Angels patrolling. But let me get this straight, uh, Alec and runway model Ken, who are having a good old conversation. And no, Alec, you're Alec to me. You haven't earned the X at the end of your name. You're not Greek. You're Alec. Uh, They're having a good old conversation in there about what I have no idea, but when uh, your guru uh, comes back, Frank Morano, could you ask him, wine and cheese testing event in Atlantic City is more important than broadcasting at WABC? Trying to put that on a scale, a balanced scale. I, I don't know. Best dog food I have ever eaten. I'll bet. I don't get these new jacks. It's like, this is... The biggest radio station in the nation. Frank Morano now has a national network. People would die for that, right? Die! Work their whole life. Uh, uh, I got to go up for a wine and cheese tasting event uh, in Atlantic City. Frank? 
you doing? Or WABC, the place that everyone yearns to be. Jesus, Frank. How many letters come in, emails? How many calls to our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis? Hey, you got a place for me at WABC? No, the inn is full. We got Frank Morano. But then again this weekend, he's at a wine and cheese tasting event in Atlantic City. Jesus, Jesus, Frank. Oh, God. These new jacks. No, 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 no. Given the opportunity, I'm here at WABC, my place to be. That's right, the mothership connection to the Frank Morano Network. Let's go to Ann, who's calling from uh, Florida, where so many of our fellow residents have fled. Uh, what part of Florida do you live in, Ann? I live in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I moved down here about five years ago, Curtis. Are you a Met fan? Is that why you went down to Port St. Lucie spring training camp? You no, know, my, my sister. My sister lives down here, so I decided to follow her down here. I'm retired uh, from the Veterans Hospital, and I am a veteran myself. Mm. And I and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for telling the truth about that church. They're a disgrace. They're a disgrace on the way they treat my brother and sister veterans. We've got veterans laying in cardboard boxes throughout our inner cities, throughout the country, and they continue to finance the illegal invasion of this nation. I've known about the Catholic Church. I've read about things involving the NGOs. They get a lot of money from the government, financing them, helping them with people, bringing them into this country undocumented so that they could fill their pews. They could fill their pews in, in, the, in the church. They're not concerned about my brother and sister veterans that are lying in streets right now in freezing cold weather, they don't raise money for them. You don't see Cardinal Dolan out there or any of these members of the hierarchy raising money to help my brother and sister veterans who are sleeping in cardboard boxes. They're going to take care of people from other countries. They're going to provide for them because it's a big money racket. That's why. Yeah, and by the way, and their own parishioners would not support this effort with their own contributions. They know that. They know that if they, they did a, if they did a special contribution, if they uh, if Cardinal Dolan uh, on Sunday when he gives his homily say, "And look, uh, we have a very special uh, plea we're making to you. Please donate today. We're bringing in illegals from Nicaragua, from Venezuela. Please, uh, gentlemen, could you put the wicker baskets through?" There would be spider webs in the wicker basket. Spider webs. My sister goes to Catholic. I come from a family of nine, six sisters, two brothers. My family, you know, a lot of them are cops, four generations of New York City cops. My father passed away a few years ago. My mother was a devout Catholic. She passed away a few years ago. You, you can't, you can't talk, discuss this with them. I mean, I left the church years ago. I'm, 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 I'm a member of the Protestant faith now. I, I just, I, when I heard about the pedophilia in the church, that was when I turned on them. But when I start hearing all this stuff about all this money they're getting from the government so they can assist people to invade this nation, 
I mean, they are invading our nation. Don't get me wrong. I, I sympathize with anyone that's seeking political asylum. But we've got homelessness throughout many of our major cities, and many of those homeless are veterans. Many of them are my brothers and sisters who served in the military. Yeah. yeah. And who have it, come it, back from wars who are very sick. Yeah. And, and I, I must tell you, uh, it was so ironic when uh, our mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, decided to put up a tent for the illegals on Randall's Island uh, that Catholic Charities was all on board for. 350 feet away was the regular men's shelter uh, that has some veterans uh, who were down on their luck, who were housed there. Rats, cockroaches, it's dangerous. And these veterans looked over 350 feet away and they saw a, a heated tent in which they had a social room with 72-inch big screen TVs, three squares a day, laundry being delivered. And they said, how do we become illegal aliens? <laughs> Show me the line. I'll claim that I'm coming in from Venezuela. Yeah. It's, it, it just makes me so sick. Well, I tell you what, Ann. No, no, that I was born a Roman Catholic. Uh, we'll probably die a Roman Catholic because you got to fight the battle uh, in your own faith. You can't you retreat. You can't surrender. And I will be the voice to challenge them because I know where all their bones are buried and who buried them. I was raised in the church. As a young boy, I saw these contradictions it was so obvious, so obvious to everybody. It's like, oh, we don't want, we don't want to interfere with tradition. What? The priest can't marry. What tradition is that? That rule was changed. Oh well, you know, uh, the Pope is infallible. No, he's not. He is not infallible. <sighs> Let's go to Chuck, uh, who's calling from his car. Your turn to be heard here, Chuck. Hey, Curtis, how are you? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Nah, it's not a Happy New Year for me. It's not a Merry Christmas because I see my church ripping off to taxpayers and bringing in illegal aliens. Well, what are you going to do? Hey, this is totally off topic, but I got a question for you. I was listening to a show of yours you were doing in the afternoon, maybe about a month ago or so, and I almost ran off the road. Uh, I know you're not an Elvis fan. I don't know why. doesn't matter, but... I can't believe you compared him to a pedophile. I don't understand. Can you explain that? Because I'm, I'm really uh, dumbfounded. You know what I mean? Chuck, uh, do you not know the story of um, his very dear, precious uh, Priscilla Presley? Do you not know the story? Of course I know the story. She was 16 when he met her over in Germany. But you got to realize, back then, Jerry Lee Lewis married his cousin at 12. Oh, so that's okay, I mean, right, Chuck? No, no, that's not okay. That's not okay. But 16, she, he didn't do anything. She was 16. He waited till she was like, I don't know, 18 or whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean yeah. he waited? Are you a schmuck that you believe that propaganda? Steven Tyler did exactly the same thing. In fact, he got... The parents of this girl in Oregon to give him guardianship so that she could travel with him all over the country with Aerosmith. Now, years later, she's suing him and saying, no, 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 no. You are forcing yourself on me sexually. You are using me as a sex toy. Come on, Chuck. Stop believing this propaganda. There are pedophiles on pedestals and we cannot keep protecting them. Well, you can't call him a pedophile. He better at 16 in Germany. 
And oh, then, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, so let me get this straight, Chuck. He met her, and then he said, I want you to wait for me until you're 18, right? Well, that's the way the story goes. Oh. Well, of course. Of course, that's that's his propaganda. (laughs) Come on, Chuck. Uh, Who was he? Who was he? Who was the other one? Chuck Berry. Remember Chuck Berry, Mr. Rock and Roll? Yes, yes. You know, he was a pedophile on a pedestal, too. No, I did not know that. Oh, well, I see. I guess you didn't want to know it because there are a lot of them. Michael Jackson, uh, Kelly, we go on in a Chuck. Don't believe the hype. As Chuck D would say in Public Enemy, right? Don't believe the hype. Yes, Priscilla, I want you to wait for me until you're 18. Save yourself from me. I want to deflower you. Yeah, yeah, that's the propaganda, right? Oh, the Elvis fans. Oh, Elvis was so good. Meantime, anything that walked in his skirt. He was fornicating and copulating. Yeah, but he saved himself for Priscilla. Yeah, right. God, think for yourself. Here's a guy who had the, the Memphis Mafia that would do anything for him, include kill. He would see something on TV he didn't like. He took his gun out, shot the TV, and he said, Red, head of his Memphis Mafia, go get me another TV. This is a guy who became a DEA agent with the badge from Richard Nixon, was the biggest drug addict in America. Oh, you know, he had problems. Yeah, yeah, sure he did. Sure he did. How many pills a day? 5,852? Plus, he saved himself. Hey, Priscilla, don't wait till you're 18, right? Wait for me, baby. I'm going to come and get you. In the meantime, I'm going to be out there. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to be tearing it up a few. Come on already. Never believe politicians. Never believe artists, musicians, actors, and actresses. That's why they have PR agents to do the spin. And never believe anything you hear coming out of the Vatican. That the Pope is infallible. Are you out of your mind? This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Purple Haze. You would never hear this song from Frank Morano, that's for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me hear a little music here, Alec. Uh. Jimi Hendrix from Seattle, lived in a purple haze, died at 27. Jim Morrison of the Doors, lived in a purple haze, died at 27. I guess Janet Joplin, eh, she probably went puff, puff, fast, but it was really Southern Comfort. Uh, She lived in a purple haze with her band members, and she died at 27. 
not from marijuana, but from uh, almost everything else under the sun that they ingested into their bodies. And the reason I mentioned Jimi Hendrix and Purple Haze is because there has been a plume, a purple haze hanging over New York City where uh, marijuana has been illegal for a long time. But the Purple Haze was out and about, especially ever since it was decriminalized. You could just smell it everywhere. You walk into a building, people had been smoking in the foyer and the lobby, walk into a store, subway, park, streets. It's like you needed a hazmat suit with a respirator, a Purple Haze everywhere. And as I was walking in the Lower East Side today, not far from the opening of the first legal pot store, In uh, New York State, where uh, it became legal um, almost a year ago, signed into law by uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, and nothing was done in the interim. And again, I can't say it enough, Jersey does it better. Jersey did no cash bail better. They haven't had anywhere near the problems that we've had. And they did their legalization of the recreational use of marijuana and their legal pot stores Ten trillion times better than what I saw earlier today. And I happen to have been there. But walking through the neighborhood, especially along St. Mark's Place, the Tompkins Square Park, where the Pope of Greenwich Village used to set up shop. This was a tall um, Jewish guy, gay guy, bald guy. Would sit there in Tompkins Square Park. People would come in. It'd be a line. And they'd give him his, their orders. And then he'd walk over to a storefront. And you had these uh, guys and gals on bicycles, and they would do delivery. This is like in the 60s and 70s. Right? They're talking as if, oh, this is brand new. Oh, yeah, we're going to do Grubhub. Get out of here. They've been doing that for years. Not only in the Lower East Side, but in neighborhoods throughout the five boroughs of the city of New York. But the point is right before I went to the grand opening of the uh, pot store, legal pot store, first license in the state of New York from Buffalo, snowed into uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I decided to go over to Washington Square Park, where even in the 60s, where you had beatniks galore, people were selling and using marijuana. Not as openly as they do now, but they were doing it. And uh, as I walked into Washington Square Park, they had their tables out, and they were selling all kinds of marijuana products, Not just smokable products, pre-rolled joints, edibles, THC, CBD. They had everything and anything that the legal pot store just opening up uh, within the past 12 hours had in New York State. The price was cheaper, no taxes. They would give you credit, which uh, the New York State licensed store could not by law. And they would let you test the product so that if they had a new strain or a new bud came in for their customers, they'd say, would you like to test the product? Here's a pipe. Check it out. They can't do that in the New York State license store. And by the way, they don't ask for ID. There are a lot of people who just didn't want to show ID. Now, they're not going to do anything with your ID other than card you prove that you're 21 or older. But there are a lot of people suspicious of government to begin with. They don't want to give their ID card to anybody. I get it. So black market has a distinct advantage. And when all was said and done, they turned away more than half of their customers, which is stupid when you're in retail. The lines have been growing all day long because of the super hype. 
But their self-imposed rules are they have to close by 7. So by 7 o'clock this past evening, they left about 1,000 customers out in the street. Now, you think they're coming back? Or do you think they just walked over to Washington Square Park and scored or went to the illegal weed shop that was right across the street or walked down uh, St. Mark's Place and scored all along there or walked into uh, Tompkins Square Park and scored there. They were going to go home with reefer one way or the other. And I have a feeling quite a bit of them, quite a few of them are not coming back to the legal pot shot, uh, pot shot first license in the state of New York. Uh, what happened to Ken, uh, Alec, uh, you know, the runway motto? Is he practicing his sports? Because uh, I would tell Ken, having done sports talk radio before on many occasions, he should stick to runway modeling because he sucks. Got all these young guys, yo, we do sports, we do sports. They know nothing about sports and especially how to broadcast sports, right? Uh, That's right, WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. Hey, bring these young huckleberries here. Oh, I know sports. You know anything about talk radio? No, but I know sports. And then they give them, uh, they tell them to read this for like 30 seconds. Oh, I'm a sports broadcaster. Hey, Ken, uh, stick to your uh, line of employment as a runway model because your sports reportage, it sucks. But anyway, let's continue as we are uh, listening to Jimi Hendrix in the background here, Purple Haze. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, one thing that I was happy about, then our mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and remember, he's got a new nickname, new moniker, out-of-town Adams, did not show up because he's like Glenn Slice, because he's made a goofball of himself before the opening of this first illegally licensed New York State pot shop Right in the shadow of uh, NYU and Washington Square Park. Uh, Back when he beat me, the day after, to become mayor of the city of New York, his first public appearance was with Stephen Colbert on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Show. And, uh, God, man, what a bonehead. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you know, big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like kids in high school, rolling a joint, smoking a bone. How ridiculous. You're mayor of the city of New York. And then it continued. It continued. One thing for sure, one law that was passed is clearly being practiced right now because I smell some weed. Someone is smoking. (laughs) Someone is smoking. (laughs) Thank God he didn't show up. All all the politicians were there. Yeah, my edibles. Yeah, yeah, I, I smoke, but I don't inhale. Yeah, right. Right, Bill Clinton. God, all the politicians were there. Oh, photo op, photo op. Get out of here. Thank God the mayor didn't show up. And then recently when he said he was going to crack down on all the illegal pop-up, uh, illegal weed stores, weed wagons, weed sellers. Again, he thought he was doing stand-up at Caroline's. Can somebody tell him Caroline's is closing in Times Square, the comedy shop? Uh, today we're saying to those who believe 
that this is going to become the wild, wild west of cannabis sale. We are saying clearly and loudly, no, it is not. The cannabis industry is, is, is a budding uh, economy. I just realized that, bud. <laughs> Put that in here. <laughs> it's a budding economy. <laughs> and, and we want to make sure that we get it right so that we can say in the city of New York that we are the joint. <laughs> what a bonehead. Thank God he didn't show up. Because he, he would have been a goofball. He's the mayor of the city of New York. Okay, it's legal. But you don't have to be joking about it. You don't have to be acting like you're the ambassador of weed. I wonder who convinced him. Don't show up, Eric. I, I know every camera in the world is it. Please don't show up and make a goofball out of yourself. Because you know what's going to happen? One of the new customers, like they were doing with me, hey, you want to sample, Curtis? I said, nah, nah, nah. He wouldn't puff up pass right there. Oh, hell, oh, yeah. Let's see, my consultant said that, uh, you know, in my run for the White House, uh, by then, uh, every voter in America would have done puff up pass. You know, I'll be ahead of the curve. I'll be hip. I'll be happening. It'll be live at five. There's Eric Adams blazing up with a fatty. He probably had to tie him up at City Hall and keep him there. I mean, I know he had the urge to be there, but I was there, and I was hanging with the homies. No, no, you would never have seen Frank Morano there. Frank Morano would have said, as a graduate of NYU as a violet, I'd rather be at a wine and cheese testing event in Atlantic City rather than WABC. No. WABC, the acronym, this is our mothership uh, station, always broadcasting, Curtis. And I was broadcasting live from Washington Square Park, where they've been dealing reefer openly since the beatniks of the 60s. Here we are, Washington Square Park, two blocks away, first state licensed legal weed shop. But these guys, they can undercut the competition because, hey, no tax. No 13% tax, right? No 13% tax. Number two, if I said, yo, man, I need to sample some of the product just to test it because I understand you got some you got some new strains, some new bugs. Right? Pop out, dog. Hear that? I get to do pump-up pass to test it first. Make sure you say in and out exotics, and I like this. In and out of time. Now, lastly, if I'm down on my luck, remember the cartoon Wimpy? Could I have a hamburger today on Tuesday and I'll pay you on Thursday? Nobody, the shops is not going to do that for you. The shops is not going to look out for you the way we're going to look out for you. It is all the time. There's no tax on our and our weed is most likely better. We get our weed from all around the world. And I don't go to dispensaries. Outside, the people in the dispensaries, they not even connoisseurs. They don't know what mold and weed look like. They can't tell you the difference between indica, sativas. It's a lot of intricacies that go into this business and into this, this culture. And a lot of these people, don't know, they're just in it for the business. Oh, man. Four homeboys there. They had their table set up. Other people had their table. They do that every day in Washington. Uh, by the way, no cops out there today. No uniform cops. You better believe orders from one police plaza. Hi, police. We don't want you out there. It might offend some of the pot smokers, the stoners. What the hell was that? How come there were no cops out there? Hey, missing in action, Police Commissioner Sewell. Where were the police? 
Thank God the mayor didn't show up. Thank God they had every camera in the world there. Somebody would have said, yo, why don't you blaze away, man, and smoke this fatty, Eric. Eric would have said, you got some rolling paper, man? I'll roll a fatty right here for you. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, my tour Washington Square Park. Show you how these vendors, these entrepreneurs, are going to put the legal license state pot stores, probably cause them to go in the red instead of the black, unlike New Jersey, which does it better. Unlike New Jersey, which does it better. That's right, everyone who is so omnipotent and pretentious in New York, they did no cash bail better in Jersey. And they certainly, as the Garden State, have uh, opened up 32 storefronts now in which they have corporate involvement. It's not a mom-and-pop shop yet, and it's not somebody who did time in Rahway or Trenton State for bringing in bales of marijuana like they want to give licenses here in New York to people who never had retail experience. you got to have some retail experience. Listen to these hustlers in Washington Square Park. See what I said is? You still got black market here. You still got people charging with no tax to let you sample right, pump, pump, bass. They don't do that in the state license store. And if they need credit, if they're down on their luck, come out at me. They get credit. Make it work. The state license. Make it work. Doesn't do that. I take installments too. That's installments. How about layaway? I got layaway. Okay. I'm telling you, $5 down. You see that all throughout the park. That's a big so you got a See, man, they, they wanted me to sample the product. I should have said, yeah, you know, like Bill Clinton, uh, I didn't inhale. You know how they noticed, notice how they knew their business? Guy even offered layaway. Right? <laughs> layaway. Man, look, these hustlers have been doing this for years. In the state-licensed uh, store in New York and Greenwich Village, first off, I would never have opened up the store right there. Too much competition in the area. Way too much competition. Everything is real estate, real estate, real estate in retail business. Why would you open up shop where there are so many competitors? And like I said, today they opened up at 420. Okay, I get it, 420. Then they closed at 7 o'clock. They had a 1,000 people outside. They're not coming back. No, because on their way home, they were expecting to buy pot. There were like a dozen different places they could go all around there openly where people were dealing marijuana and better product than what was being sold in the state licensed store. They were selling product from Cali, California, Humboldt County. Much better than anything they grow in New York. You see, unfortunately, when they license, you can only sell product from the state. Now, when has New York ever been known for its agricultural uh, pot. It's sort of ragweed. Oh, yeah, what great a pot. Yeah, at the cannabis bowl that they have every year in Amsterdam, I'm sure they, we have some buds here, you know, from New York State. It's not like wine tasting, you know, okay, we have Italian wine, French wine, New York State wine, California wine. 
No, no nobody's going to, oh, New York Buds, yeah, they're going to compete in the Cannabis Bowl this year in Amsterdam. How ridiculous. But then again, I continued to work the crowd of vendors who uh, were selling illegal pot, probably more than they normally do because of all the disgruntled customers who by 7 o'clock, they closed the doors at the New York State licensed storefront and no more customers. Well, what do you think? Those people were going to go home without buying pot? And by the way... They'll sell Cali Cali stuff from Humboldt County, which the New York State licensed facility only sells weed grown in New York, which let's face it. Hello. Weed Matt. from New York, it don't cut it, man. Hello. It don't cut it. don't got the same. So we got individual like entrepreneurs competing with the you state licensed facility. Look for this you guys will stay in business at 13% tax. It can't do it. Hello. Look at all the other if you wanted to buy weed. Thing. Or CBD or THC, you come here, right? Why would you pay tax 13%? They'll give you credit. And if I say, you know, I understand you got some new bugs here. Can I test? Puff, puff, pass. They'll do it. Can't do that in a state licensed store. Now, let me tell you, didn't work in Cali, didn't work in Colorado. There's no way you're going to knock out the individual entrepreneurs because they can undersell you, give you better quality, give you credit, and deliver too, right? Yes, forget sir. Forget Grubhub. They'll deliver to your door like the old, this is before your time, when we had the Pope of Greenwich Village in Tompkins Square Park. We'd take the orders right there in the park, and then guys and gals on bicycles would deliver. It's so real, we got a card. Take the card. Give me your card. I'll give you my card. Got a card. There you go. Look at that. Sir. It's a business. Here you go, guys. Okay, okay, let's Now, you know how they're saying we want to give an opportunity to people of color, underprivileged uh, youth. Every one of those people selling pot in Washington Square Park was a homie, a homegirl or a homeboy. <laughs> Black! They were already entrepreneurs. They knew their business. They had business cards. They deliver. They negotiate. And they're all around one another. It's like, you see, if you're all around, it's like, let's say you have four gas stations on a corner, right? Some places, four gas stations. Somebody is going to try to undercut the others in order to get the bulk of the cars coming in by a few pennies a gallon. It's the same way with them. All during the course of the day. It's like if any of you have ever had a vegetable or a fruit market, by the end of the day, you start dropping the prices if you're selling outdoors because you got to get rid of, the, rid of the stock before it spoils. So what you charged for tomatoes at the beginning of the day, by the end of the day, you might have dropped that price in half. They do the same thing. It's like a commodity exchange. And they go around and they check on their uh, competitor's product, what they're selling for the product. And then they look at one another and say, yo, man, this guy, where, where did he get this strain from? Hawaii. How come we don't have Hawaiian? Customers are asking us for Maui Waui, Hindu Kush. And we, we got it from Cali. We got it from Mexico, but we don't have Hawaiian. Everybody wants Hawaiian now. Yo, man, get on your horse. We better order some Hawaiian or we're going to be out of business. Now, they don't have a brick-and-mortar store. They don't have to worry about salaries, workers' compensation. They're not paying taxes. There's no way the state of New York can compete. But the state of New York is saying, look, 
you'll be able to test products that have been tested. You'll be brought, buying that uh, marijuana from underneath the counter at a bodega. I mean, who the hell buys marijuana from a bodega unless you're like, you're out of your luck. You, you, you just say, hey, I got to get a joint. I'll stop in the bodega. Hey, can you give me two Lucy's? Okay. And by the way, do you have a nickel bag? Okay, I'll buy that too. How about bread, milk, butter? Nah, nah. Just two Lucy cigarettes, Marlboro Reds. Okay. And yeah, one nickel bag of marijuana. Nobody, I mean, that's not where most of the marijuana is sold. Oh, we test it. So two weeks before they opened up this New York State licensed pot shop in Greenwich Village in the shadow of NYU in Washington Square Park, right by Astor Place. Take the A train there, right? 8th Street, 6th train Astor Place. Lines around the block. Most of the customers weren't even able to get in. They ain't coming back today, I'm telling you. They're only open like 11 to 7. When do most people go out to buy their pot? After 7, right? Ah, that's right, Alex. Now you're Alex, right? You're nodding your head, right, Ken? After 7. You know, look, look, man, we're going to be watching a movie. What is it? They got Avatar now. Yeah, want to watch Avatar? We're going to get some chips. You know, going to get some Gatorade. Yeah, let's get in. Let's get a few joints, right? Oh, but they're closed. 7 o'clock. How do you close at 7 o'clock? These pop-up weed shops, they're open like 24 hours a day. And they'll deliver. Grubhub. Oh, man. And all these politicians proud of themselves. Yeah, we're open. We're open. You no, won't be open for long. And we're going to be subsidizing this, right? Instead of it generating money for us, I get some of these pot shops we're going to be subsidizing. And again, why didn't we just carbon copy Jersey? They did it better. They did it first. They worked out the kinks. It's up. It's operating. It has some problems. But I'm telling you, just like with no cash bail, we can't do what Jersey does. Why? Jersey does it better. I'm a New York guy, and I'm more than happy to say Jersey does it better. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Mr. Cap. You ready again, bro? Yeah. Straight out of Pittsburgh, man. Can't smoke weed to it. Don't doubt this. I don't want to listen to it. Be the truth. Yeah. Am I big Never hear this on the Frank Morano show because he is tasting wine. You know, it's like on Frasier, you know, swishing it around his mouth, having some fumage. Reminds me of Niles on Frasier, right? Frank Morano, a bit nerdy. And yet, he's chosen to be at Atlantic City at a wine and cheese testing event in WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. 
But maybe it's better that I'm here, not him, because what the hell does he know about marijuana reefer? Even though he went to NYU, even though he was a violet, even though even back then when he went to NYU, which was what, in 1940? I mean, he's the oldest young guy I've ever known. They had an atrium in all the dorms. You walk into any of the dormitories, they're everywhere uh, around the NYU campus. By the way, NYU buys the property, and then they don't pay any taxes, right? <laughs> Man, if I had been uh, elected mayor, I'd say, special public safety tax so we can hire police officers because your kids are going out and keeping these marijuana dealers in business. Mommy, Daddy, I need more money. What do you need money for? Well, you know, the cost of living are we subsidizing your pot habit, your pot smoking habit? Are you going into Washington Square Park and buying pot instead of studying? Well, Daddy, Mommy, you know, we're so stressed out. You know, the competition is so great. We just, we need to lay back and relax and smoke a joint. Oh, God. Parents, they just enable kids. They just enable kids. Oh, man. What a hot mess. This city is going to depend its survival on Viceland. Booze, weed, prostitution, and gambling. You're going to see in this new fiscal year 2023, the bottom is falling out. There's no more stimulus money. The state has a $16 billion debt. The city, a $10 billion debt before they pay one bill. And they're going to immediately see is, oh, Nirvana, sell more weed, legalize prostitution, take all three licensed casinos and put them in the five boroughs and suck the life out of those who live here, work here, visit here, and we'll rename New York City Viceland. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Jim in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard, Jim. Hey, Curtis. Always good talking. I'm still waiting to get the Sliwa bit button that was supposed to be sent to me a couple of weeks ago. Still haven't gotten it. Oh, hold on a second. Who, who did you speak to, Jim? I spoke to you, and then you put me in touch with Avery, and still hasn't gotten it. Wow. So I'm going to put love... you on when we're finished having our conversation yeah, when, when we're finished. with Ken, who is uh, now yeah. make sure he <clears throat> he's special ed. So make sure he writes everything down as you you have to spell it out for him, Jim. I will, Curtis, politely. Okay. I will do that. Very good. Curtis, please do me a favor. I, I appreciate you a lot. I really do. I don't always agree with everything, but I do appreciate you everything. Well, I do hope in the future, don't run for mayor again, but fix yourself with a real good candidate and be his, uh, you know, what do you call it, uh, you know, community policing expert. And the other thing is, please, you, you keep commending Bucky Beaver for running good government over here in Jersey. Phil Murphy, if I said the word I want to say, you'd beat me and not answer my call again. Come over here, Curtis. It is pure chaos. Now, wait a second, Jim. Pure. Look, I'm the first one to criticize half in the bag Murphy, who if you look at his video message, his holiday video message with his wife, the guy is hammered. You actually should actually look at this. His eyes are like dazed. He's like all disheveled. But how can I not acknowledge 
that when it comes to no cash bail, which Jersey had first, they've done a better job when it comes to the legal sale of the recreational use of marijuana. Jersey has done it better. Do you want me not to acknowledge that, Jim? No, no, Curtis. I, but please, you know, he, you know what you're setting him up. If you, you probably know it better than I. He, he is desperately seeking to be the president of the United States. Yeah, well, he can knock himself no. out. Uh, he no, has no, a better no, no, he, he's, he's, he has a better chance of getting into Alcohol Anonymous. Are you kidding, Curtis? I, I, you know, you're, you're the expert. I'm the novice, but I do debate. If George Santos can get up there, so can Murphy. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, got- you see, the problem you have in New Jersey, Jim, and I've told this to Jerseyites for so long is. I don't know. You have this um, obsession with having people who are graduates of Goldmine Sachs become your governor. So you had Corazine, Chipmunk Corazine disaster. You have Half in the Bag Murphy disaster. You got Phillips in waiting, uh, mayor of Jersey City. Friend of our own Noam Layden here, our news director at WABC. They live in the Heights together with all the hipsters and millennials. And I don't know what it is. It seems like the Democrats say, well, we got to find a graduate of Goldmine Sachs who ripped off the investors and then uh, uh, short uh, would short sell their own investors. What is it with you folks? Oh, he left. Where'd he go? He didn't like being lectured to. And, and ladies and gentlemen, it is true. Jersey does it better. No cash bail. They had it before we did. They've had nowhere near the problems we've had. Cuomo decided in his pretentious, um, omnipotent, uh, obnoxious way, we're not going to do it like Jersey. We can do it better. Disaster. And same thing with the legal sale of recreational use of marijuana. Jersey did it first, and they've done it better. I've followed it. I've seen how they've set up their storefronts. I've seen how the public has reacted to it. You didn't have the... Michigan, gosh, the chaos that you had today in Greenwich Village. Wrong place. Wrong place to set up. There's already competition all around that area. Oh, God. But I'm not supposed to uh, say Jersey did better because the governor is half in the bag, Murphy. By the way, you got to go to his website. He left a holiday message, a video. It's about a minute. Him and his wife from Drum Thwacket. And, I mean, this guy is hammered. Look at his eyes. They're rolling back in his head. Let's go to Carrie, who's calling from Queens. Uh, your turn to be heard, Carrie. Hi, uh, Curtis. Are you, do you hear me? Loud and clear, Carrie. Yes. You were talking um, some time ago, meaning um, about an, uh, 45 minutes ago, about the legal migrants and the Catholic Church supporting them. Um, and that's something that actually I myself was wondering about because... In my community in Queens, actually in different parts of Queens, but I see it definitely in my community, um, there are loads of the illegal migrants, and um, I suspect they're being hired for another type of crime that people don't know of or don't speak of. And I can see that they're being hired by like neighborhood watch groups or community watch groups to basically surveil um, people. Um, I've seen them hanging out in cars, just sitting out, like kind of stalking, or I go shopping places and they're already there. And then when I come, they suddenly leave. They're always looking down at their cell phones. 
And I'm wondering if they've even been provided with these cell phones to help with that surveillance. So now, Kerry, uh, yes. so you claim that Community Watch uh, and uh, uh, groups uh, that work with the police uh, to provide public safety in the neighborhoods have somehow hired them. Well, first of all, these groups don't have any money. I work directly with these groups, the Block Watch, the Crime Watch groups. They don't have any money. They're all volunteers. And, Carrie, you're you're stating something that I've heard from many people. Now, these mm-hmm. – uh, and it's not just about illegal aliens. It's just people in general. They, exactly. ne- they never touch you, right? Nobody ever comes up and touches you, right? Right. And the thing is about – I'm not so sure that – it's the neighborhood watch groups that are doing it. I think they might be invo- possibly involved, but I think there's so many other entities that could be involved with hiring. And you're right. No, no, I understood. Know. But let's just—I'd uh, like you to explain to our audience: these okay. people they follow you, they post up where you are, but they never actually come up and talk to you, or touch you, or physically bother you in any way. That's right. However, last. A few months ago, I was assaulted um, by someone. This is not an illegal immigrant, as far as I know. I was assaulted, and I saw the person before, 15 minutes before it happened, I saw them with their cell phone filming me. Mm. And about 20 minutes later, I saw they assaulted me. No, no, no. Understood. Did you get the police involved? I'm sorry? Did you get the police involved? I did um, file a police report. Okay. Um, but even funny things were happening around there. When I say what I mean by that is that I didn't. They didn't seem to take me seriously. You know, I filed the report, and then they put the wrong report number, and um, it's. No, no, no. Understood, Carrie. Carrie, yeah, but uh, you don't mind me asking you how old are you, Carrie? I'm in my 50s. Okay. And you've lived in the same neighborhood most of your life? No. I've lived in New York most of my life, the same neighborhood for a couple of decades. Okay. Uh, but to answer your question, they, other than that, yes, you're right. I, um, they don't, they don't, um, they have not touched me or anything right, like that. Right, right. See, this is very common. This is not at all uncommon, Carrie. So you share this uh, characteristic with a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had any kind of mental health care? I suffer from depression. That okay. is all I suffer from. All right. No, and no, no. But do you, do you, are you getting a therapy or any kind of medication to deal with that? Yes. And I, I know I, it sounds like you're very, you indeed are familiar with this. Yes. And I know that they tend to use people who have some kind of mental background, even if it has nothing to do with being schizophrenic or psychotic. But they use that. You All you have to do, you, you can just be depressed or you can be something that has nothing to do with that and still and still be very functional as you are still be able to go out take care of yourself do whatever you have to do to survive unfortunately carry a lot of people nowadays who have that similar thing that they have to deal with like uh, morning noon and night but at least you are uh, taking some medicine and getting some therapy for that but curtis the reason i'm calling is that um I, what I believe is that in my case, it has to do with them wanting to drive me out of my community because of all the crime that's going on. It's quite apparent that there are people 
that they tend to focus on people that they don't, that they think are different. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, Carrie, I understand that that might be what you feel. But I can only tell you that no matter what neighborhood you are, it could be a rich neighborhood, a poor neighborhood, a middle-class neighborhood, I run across uh, many folks, middle-aged, older folks, who have those same impressions that when they go outside of their house, people are following them. They never approach them. They never talk to them. And they're staring at their their cell phones. And when you get on a bus, they get on the bus and they follow you and they follow you all the way back to your apartment, but they never do anything. I would suggest if there are any people out there who similarly, like Carrie, have that feeling, it's very real to you. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying it's not real to to you. And I'm speaking to the people right now who, like Carrie, have that same feeling. It's very real to you. I'm not going to say it's not real to you. But it is part of a mental situation where you feel that. You feel frightened. You feel like you're being followed. You're being shadowed. You're being stalked. But in reality, that's not happening. It's it's a part of your uh, brain function that just needs to be corrected. It's not difficult to correct. There is therapy. There is medication for that. There are people who at times feel like there's light being shown into their apartments or homes from a distant part. It's like a beam of light. They, They really see this. They believe that to be true. I'm not saying to them it's not true. But it's a, a function of the brain, or they'll hear a sharp, high-pitched noise that nobody else can hear, and they hear it. They truly do hear it morning, noon, and night, and it it's terrifying to them because they can't they can't rest. That's a function of your brain. Now, the brain is such a complicated; it's like a machine, and if it's slightly off, these things can happen to me. The same thing, like I'm talking with it now. Five days from now, I could tell you that there are people that appear to be following me. They're not doing me any harm. They don't come up to me. They don't talk to me. But from the time I walk out of my apartment to the time I come back, they're there. Or that somebody is uh, basically a light is shining into my apartment. Or there's a a high-pitched noise that I hear on a regular basis that does not permit me to sleep, to rest, and when I tell my neighbors or friends, do you hear that? Do you hear that uh, noise? And they say, no, no, we don't hear it. And and then they look at you as if you're somehow making it up or there's a problem with you. It's a slight alteration in your processing uh, thought process that's coming out of your brain. It can be corrected. It doesn't mean you're emotionally disturbed. It doesn't mean that you can't seek a little mental health care. Look, it's the same way. If you had a stomachache, right, and it lingered, you would probably want to see a doctor. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be committed to a hospital because you have a stomachache. But if you don't deal with it now, and I'm, 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 I'm using this as a precaution for everyone, it doesn't get better by itself. It only exacerbates. It gets worse and worse. I deal with normal folks every day who have these kind of situations. They functional. Some of them work jobs. Some of them go out, they'll go to the store, they take care of themselves, they're not a burden to society, and yet these things haunt them. There's no need for these things to haunt you. There are others, pretty sure, you know, Frank Morano, he 
Well, he he, has, he hangs around strange people who will be at his wine and uh, cheese testing event in Atlantic City rather than be here at WABC, who actually listen to him through their f- fillings in their teeth. They'll be showing up and they'll say to Frank Morano, I actually can hear you broadcast that night the other side of midnight through the fillings in my teeth. And you know it's real to them. And they can hear it. But it's not coming through the fillings of their teeth. The other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Incense and Peppermint. Think back when this song came out, 60s, 70s. People were uh, smoking herb, growing herb from Haight-Ashbury to Greenwich Village, all throughout the country. It was peace, love, and happiness. You know, free love, end the war, and then everything dissolved. But one thing that has been consistent all through this time is people have been smoking marijuana. Way back to the days of the beatniks, the free speech movement. This is a product that has been homegrown, a product that has been grown in the federal national forests, a product that has been trafficked across borders. In fact, I'll never forget Richard Nixon, who was at war with the counterculture, actually had... Agents of the United States government spraying the fields where Acapulco gold was being uh, sold, uh, excuse me, grown and sold from Mexico, sprayed with uh, pesticides. So the thought was if it didn't kill the plant, it might kill the people who eventually would smoke the Acapulco gold. Guess what? It didn't stop the marijuana harvest. Did not stop the harvest. So it's legal. Has to be sold better. Has to be more care for the customer. Has to be uh, none of this fear, fright, hysteria, and hype that goes with the selling of marijuana. So that when you go to a state licensed store, they assure you that uh, the product has been tested. Because I don't believe that. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we test it. Uh, so we're going to hold it in our in our storage area for a month, and we're going to test the product to make sure. In their fear, fright, hysteria, and hype, two weeks before they opened up this first licensed New York State pot store. Oh, the California marijuana that we tested in these pop-up shops, these illegal weed wagons, and the bodegas. Uh, You could get salmonella. You could get E. coli. How ridiculous is that? That's like reefer madness. That's like Sergeant Joe Friday. That's like one Adam 12. It's like, don't lie to the general public, because when you lie to them, then they're not going to believe anything you say. And that leads us into, as we go into the uh, all-news hour with Noam Laden, and probably my discussion with John Katsimatidis as we substitute for Sid Rosenberg, how people have become so jaundiced, so jaded, so skeptical. One of our callers had mentioned George Santos. People are just now assuming that all politicians lie, all politicians are out for themselves, 
and that all politicians are corrupt. And it appears to be that way when uh, you defend your own tribe, when you know that there's corruption, when you know there's theft, when you know there's self-aggrandizement, when you know that there are people within your own tribe lying ad nauseum, like a George Santos or Blumenthal, the state senator, excuse me, U.S. senator in Connecticut, or our own president, Joe Biden, who lies like every week, lies. And then doesn't even get confronted with the lies. It creates an atmosphere where nobody, nobody trusts politicians. Anyway, let's go to Robert, who's calling from Suffolk. Your turn to be heard, Robert. Hi, Curtis. Um, Why do you say birthing instead of born? Is that a politically correct thing or something? Well, you got birthed, right? You popped out of the womb or you were a cesarean, product of a cesarean uh, from your mother's womb. or uh, it's, it's just a term that, that I use. It has no political connotation. Okay, because I never heard anybody use that before. Serious. Well, you're birthed. That's how you come into the world. Uh, you're birthed, you're born, you're right. Uh, that's the more traditional method of being uh Uh, But it's certainly not suggesting that I believe that a man is capable of birthing a child. I think you're leaning in that direction, right? Oh, no, I don't want to go there. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, but many people do. Possible. You see, I don't argue with those people because they're very liberal. They're very progressive. I just say to them. Explain to me, because I I don't want to go through 72 different terms for one's sexual identity or one's uh, gender identity. They now have 72 of them. It it gives you vertical. I just say, Robert, let's start with simply the chromosomes XX and XY. Explain to me how a man can uh, bring a child into the world through themselves, not through a surrogate, through their own body. And then I wait for yeah. the answer, and I wait, Robert, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And, <laughs> they, right. and they said, no, no, no. One for I, you. I, yes, go ahead. A woman has identified as trigender for the first time. Hmm. Scientists are interviewing her as we speak to document this historical discovery. A trigender, that so, that, so that means what? This is what they say. Listen to what they say. That means a new sex has been identified for the first time in human history. <laughs> Trigender. She says that she is neither male nor female, but she feels that she is giving birth to a whole new sex. Can you believe this? Yes, because remember, under this woke belief system, they tell you, Robert, that even though they sound like schoolballs, that we must respect them, and that, in fact, if tomorrow they no longer identify themselves as being trigender, we must accept that, too. You know, with all these pronouns, I think it would be accurate to say it or it's instead of they or them. <laughs> it's nuts, Robert. It's nuts. They basically have it so that you can identify yourself as whatever. Like, for instance, 
One day I say to you, Robert, um, um, asexual. I don't believe in ever having sex. And you say, okay, Curtis, I accept it. Then tomorrow I say, you know what, Robert? Today I feel polyamorous. I want to have sex with everything and everybody. And you, Robert, instead of saying to me, now hold on. That's pretty alarming, Curtis. Yesterday you... uh, insisted to me uh, very dramatically that you would never have sex again. You were asexual. And now you're telling me today you're polyamorous. And I say to you, Robert, I feel today like I'm polyamorous. I want to have sex with everyone. And you have to be expected to respect that in me, Robert. Yep, I know. They call that fluidity. (laughs) Yes, the fluidity of change. I am who I am today, but I may not be that person tomorrow, one week from now, one month from now, one year from now. And in my mind, Robert, that is complete nonsense. Those are people who are very confused, like our own telephone talent coordinator, Ken who now is suffering from postpartum depression because I have said that as a sportscaster, Ken, you suck. Stick to runway modeling. And see, Ken didn't even blink when I said he had postpartum depression. He's like, well, maybe you have some female characteristics. Who knows? Maybe, Ken, if you keep working at it, you too can birth people into the world, right? And suffer from postpartum depression. Anyway, I can see that uh, the crew here, malfeasance as they are, are awaiting the return of Frank Morano, who at this very moment is shooting craps at the Borgata, losing his shirt, will then struggle back, tell you all of his trials and tribulations of gambling his life away, and what a great event it was for his annual wine and cheese testing, Ufumage. Instead of being here at WABC, which is my place to be. So put a smile on your face, Alex. Take that frown, turn it upside down, because who knows? I may be here the next time Frank Morano's supposed to be here. Because I'm here all the time on the Mothership Station, the number one news talk station in the nation. I can't say it enough. WABC. WABC.